involved in politics for 40 years, but I have never seen anything like what is being unleashed in Gaza. In full public view, while the world watches it unfold. Ten days of relentless airstrikes, one in a thousand people murdered by the Israeli government in a week, open declarations of siege, 24 hours of fuel, electricity and water left, collective punishment on innocent people, all illegal, all war crimes. And when the EU should have been arguing for a ceasefire, for the upholding of international law, for the protection of civilians, Ursula von der Leyen touches down in Tel Aviv to photo op the preparation of a genocide and says Europe stands with Israel now and in the days to come. How dare she? She has no authority in foreign affairs matter. She does not speak for me. She does not speak for Ireland. And she does not speak for the citizens of Europe. We stand for peace. We stand for justice for the people of Palestine and for the upholding of international law. It's long past the time that this woman exited the stage. It's time for her to go and for the International Criminal Court so to the debate, So the debate is closed. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, October 17th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. First and foremost, let me, let me know how the audio sounds in the chat. Let me, let me know how the audio is coming across because... You missed our last interview. We had some some pretty large issues, and as well again this morning on AM Wake Up. It's just it's such an important conversation that we just tried to have with James Corbett, which I'm feeling it, the need to reiterate today, which is going to be one of the main focuses of the show. Essentially, good. It sounds like it's coming through. Okay, good. We, we did a I did a interview with James Corbett the day before yesterday, and on a very 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 sensitive topic. On the idea about, I mean, really anything covering in something like this in a wartime situation is going to be very sensitive, right? People are going to be in, on, on, on guard and they're going to push back on things that they don't think make sense or that they think are attacking their side. That's what we do, right? We stick ourselves in the middle of that, usually way before many of even the higher, you know, big time mainstream journals will dare to speak up on something because that's what we're here for. We're here for you. But we tried to talk about with James the concept of the possibility of whether or not there was involvement of the Israeli government and what what took place in Israel. And that's not coming even from just because I wanted to or because the thoughts because there's even even based on the evidence, which there is, it's because it stood out to me very strongly that there's a lot of people. And I'm not sure whether that's majority or not. I'm beginning to think that it is. But there's a lot of people in Israel high standing in Israel who are speaking out people, members, members and former members of the IDF speaking out and saying they think this was allowed. The word sacrificed is even used. And so I think it was important that we discuss this, that we flesh out the possibility with somebody like James Corbett, who isn't, I mean, I don't think expert is too strong a word on the topic of false flags. 
He's been researching this his, his, his entire career. And I think it's important that we flesh out those possibilities. And what I said in the beginning of that show was that it's very interesting to me, unnerving, that in these situations, more today than ever, you get this narrative that's almost as if the argument is, hold on, you can't investigate whether this was a, a, a false flag or anything like that because we're outraged. Right. We're upset that people were killed. And as I am, too. But of course, they don't frame it that way. I'm just able to put aside my emotions so I can try to find the facts. And the argument eventually kind of becomes you're not you just you're supposed to stay quiet until their outrage kind of dies down. By that point, it's way too late. The narrative has been set. And we've seen this over and over and over. So the outrage about what you perceive to have happened. That does not mean that it didn't happen that way, but the idea being that your outrage about the way you perceive it does not somehow supersede our necessity or or the the necessity of investigating and fleshing out all the possibilities. Now, today in general, we're going to focus on the idea of that specific point around the possibility of a false flag. But interestingly enough, another event today in regard to the bombing of a Baptist hospital. I was just talking about the targeting of Christian concepts throughout this war of terror, war on terror, as they call it. I found it very fascinating how how every single location, it's the Christian populations that have seemed, looking back, are the ones that are removed, targeted, and all of a sudden we have an example of that today. But on top of that, the allegation that no, 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 that was not an Israeli strike. Don't trust your lying eyes or the munitions that were used. It's Hamas that did it. Don't ask how that even makes sense. Just blame the other side because that's an easy allegation. We've seen it in Russia, Ukraine. We saw it in Syria. We've seen everything since, I mean, far back as I can look. But what's interesting today is that that's now another possibility. Was that something that was done with the intention to blame the other side or maybe just done because they didn't think you were paying attention? Either way, it looks like potentially five to 800 people were killed, just like we told you was going on. The people that were going to these locations in order to be safe many of them going in the direction they were told to go in, harboring inside of these hospitals because they can't flee. And then they target the hospital, which is what happened. And we're going to get into this today. It's a pretty horrific discussion. Now, one of the things I also think is important. Oh, and then to explain in general, James and I had a really outstanding interview in general, or really the topic, the content, and a lot of things James had to say, but we had an overwhelming issue from the very beginning. Long before it even started, there was issues with the, with the, the stream yard accessing it, the issues of, of all sorts of stuff. And then we get on and all of a sudden there's audio issues. And I tried multiple different microphones. I tried, I mean, everything I possibly did, it was still going, it was still problematic. And it ruined, in my opinion, an outstanding, potentially outstanding interview and of no fault of James. And I also think it's frustrating because I myself feel like I underperformed in that interview because I was very distracted, flustered as it were, because, or exactly flustered because there were so many things I was trying to balance. And of course it weighs on me that this is such an insensitive topic. We're talking about human lives and it's not meant in no way will we ever intend to diminish whether Israeli, Palestinian or anything. And of course that's how it might be taken that we're just kind of flim, you know, half-heartedly talking about this. So it's important to me that we basically go over at basically all the tabs and information that I had lined up with James, a lot of which we didn't get to. I'm going to go through it as if it was just me and doing a show and show you all the stuff we talked about and adding it, it a lot to the show today based on what happened over the last couple of days. So I think that's very important. Now, one thing in that opening bit clip you just heard, one in a thousand. So it's really, really important to understand here, and I'm going to open with this point, is that what we're talking about with the horrific 
and and get I mean, again the whole point of what we're going to get into is whether or not this might have been allowed to happen to justify what we're seeing take place or any number of other possible theories explanations but the idea being that the people that have been killed in israel which is horrific and people should be held accountable civilians for being attacked and targeted is now so wildly outweighed by what continues to happen over here that it's not even people that have been taking a hard line about how there is not two sides in this are now finding it really difficult to not pay attention to the ongoing onslaught it is completely targeted at civilians provably and i mean every single location that we've ever been told we're supposed to listen to in moments like this not meaning that we should or that we should trust them question everything but that the people that they've been they would normally tell you to the united nations the human rights groups governments around the world are now standing up and saying this is crazy this is genocide colombia spain people standing up and saying this calling for netanyahu to be brought in front of the the international criminal court that's an, it, so my point is that they have already lost the control of this information and we're going to get into some of the some unreal examples of what's going on and that is no way to diminish the lives of israelis that were lost the only people doing that right now are in fact the israeli government ignoring the reality of what's going on and only putting their people's lives at more risk by continuing to just completely wipe out an entire people what do you think that's going to draw it's absolutely disgusting to me and on top of that, again, their own people, and I'm going to get a, make a very clear point about that today, are speaking up very strongly, even on Twitter, to people that are saying, we're all united against this one bad guy. They're standing up and going, we think Netanyahu did this. We think he's responsible. Israelis, a lot of Israeli Jews in particular. It's incredible. Now, though, I think I, uh, in general, I think that's all I wanted to say to open, but I think that it's important that we continue to question a lot of this stuff because nothing's ever off the table, especially with the people that we see throughout history have faked, lied about, entire whole cloth narratives that we can prove to this very day and a lot more that we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to open today with a couple of points that I think are important regarding uh, COVID-19 that I just wanted to make sure we still saw some things and rather the injection conversation, and then we'll jump right into the main focus of today, which is ultimately what's going on in occupied Palestine. Now this video again, thank you to Sarah Abdallah for sharing this from Ireland. I think it's important that we see that they've continued to stand. I, I, even Ireland's president, by the way, has, has spoken up in not so harsh words, but basically said that they don't think there's justification for what's happening in Gaza. Now to start with a couple of points, and I'm going to do this very quickly. I just don't want you guys to miss this. And I do plan on getting back to some of this stuff. I was today, even I was going to plan on doing more of a focus, but because of the last interview, I wanted to make sure I nailed this topic home. But here's Dr. Peter McCullough making sure we see something very promising. The supposed XBB15 booster, completely different new thing with basically zero testing. The uptake, 1.3%. That is after they tell everybody that they need this thing. That if you don't, you're going to get sick. That it's better for your grandma. That it's better for society and all of humanity. And they still didn't do it. Every single one of these people that have gotten four, five, six, 1.3%. Now take a second to think about that. If it's 1.3% to this point, and we're talking months after they've been pushing this, that means that what? If Let's just say that the original uptake was what, 70%? That means that 69% of people who were in line with the agenda have now said no, even after getting three, four, or five shots. That shows you something powerful that they're not listening anymore. At the very least, they're not trusting the science, whatever they think that means, which ultimately meant trust whatever the doctor and the government and the people in CDC told you. The reality being they're no longer trusting them either. 
Whatever the reasoning is, thank God. I'm glad people are startling to finally see that they're the people that have been pushing this from the beginning, at the very least, don't know what they're talking about, at the very worst, are trying to hurt you. And I think the evidence is overwhelming. And now that we're focused somewhere else as a kind of society, a gov- as a world, that's being lost on a lot of people. That they lost that one too. The overwhelming waterfall of peer-reviewed science, the body of evidence is staggering. These things kill people. And it's going to come out, guys, because there's people like Dr. Peter McCullough that are not going to give up on this conversation. But he's simply saying that public sentiment has swung strongly away from this. So whether that, I mean, when and how that changes the narrative going forward, we'll get, we're about to see. Robert Malone makes the same point, just kind of rounds, I guess, up in the wrong direction to 2% and just simply saying that people aren't buying it anymore, which is nice to see. Now, because no one's taking it, Pfizer launches a $3.5 billion cost-cutting program amid declining COVID vaccine sales. Well, because right now they're so over, overly top-heavy focused into this dynamic, this, this mRNA direction, that if people don't do it or don't take it, I think that's going to be very problematic for them. But of course, we know that they're pretty much mainlined right into your tax dollars, so don't, I don't think it's going to see any kind of a failure. Even a group like Moderna, for example, that basically made, not basically, had no viable product before this started are very heavily leaned into this. So we'll have to see what happens next. But thank God people are not buying it anymore. Dr. Maholtra points out a senior inside the Facebook at Facebook recently confessed to him, which again, that's those this is this rests on Masim Maholtra's point, his credibility, which I think is very strong. But the point is we don't know the the con this person, he's claiming they spoke to him, met and confessed to him that information on their platform is deliberately curated by vested interest. That's not hard to bite off, right? That's easy. Everybody knows this is happening. So my point is just simply to make it clear that this isn't some kind of provable document, but the point is we all know this is happening. So this is somebody off the record speaking to Dr. Maholter going, yeah, basically all of the big money interests just literally cultivate your information and they act like this is about some kind of free. It's, I mean, it's exactly what you always thought it was. Fascism, right? Independent fact checkers is a complete and total lie. Exactly. Now, before people freak out about the politicized context around fascism today, there is a real definition there, and it simply means the merging of corporate and government ideas and all the basic core kind of classic understanding of it. But the bottom line is that's what we're dealing with today. That line, that, that is your public-private partnership. That is the World Economic Forum. That's exactly what this is becoming. They know that. And guess what? We know that, too, and they don't like that. So it says, wake up to your democracy and health being destroyed by big pharma. Uh, Keep saying it's rare points out during lockdowns when American patients couldn't take their children to routine vaccinations, which we talked about a lot. And there was all this fear mongering about how it's going to ruin the world. And right now they're trying to sort of blame the rise in anomalies, which we can clearly prove that are tied right to the COVID injection timeline. They wanted to make you think it was going to ruin everything. Guess what? Specifically tied to child mortality. Well, it dropped 30 percent. What do you know? In the midst of a pandemic, their mortality went down 30%. Why? Because they were not getting their routine vaccinations. Guys, pay attention. It's obvious that there's a problem here. And of no way does that mean that these things are inherently dangerous. I tend to think that there's a huge problem here. But I really tend to lean into the direction that it is the intent behind it. Bottom line is, whether or not you think that, if it's up to you to do it, that's what matters. That's what we're not dealing with. My point is, obviously, if they were making things that they knew to be dangerous, then we would speak about it. But as long as they're not forcing it on people's throats, people are not stupid, ultimately. They'll come to realize these things are hurting people today. It's a forced concept. Schools, colleges, the whole thing. Work. 
My point, though, is that if what we know about vaccinology is correct, which is a big if because I don't trust any of these people, but that if the baseline understanding is correct, I would argue it could be done in a way that wouldn't be harmful with if people choose to want to take that risk when they want to take it. Because, yes, there's always risk with these kind of medical interventions. But again, I could be wrong, too. Maybe they're all meant. Maybe it's all fake and they're going to hurt everybody all the time. I don't think that, but certainly possible. Now, and again, intent is the big point. Now, here's an, an important part here. It's there's so many of these examples, but now again, we're so off in so many directions. I mean, even, I mean, oh, there's so many things like the Tiffany Dover example where she passes out on TV, like one of the first huge publicized examples. And look how that ended up. We knew it right in the beginning. Oh no, it was because she doesn't like needles. It's all lies. Now on this point too, Israeli boy who was featured in a COVID vaccine campaign has now died of a heart attack at age eight. This is why people aren't taking this. Now, look, most of that 90% of people we just talked about are terrified to ever admit that they were wrong, maybe to themselves, maybe to the world, but they stop taking them and they see it. And this is why. Because this is real. And we knew this from the beginning and the evidence is there. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is not even a theory. I'm not saying I can prove that this is connected directly or connected at all. But what I can prove to you is that we know that the dangerous experimental injection gene therapy is definitely now proven to tie to myocarditis in a dangerous way. And so this kid at eight dies of a heart attack all of a sudden, come on, it's not that hard to piece together. But yeah, sure, it could be an anomaly. Maybe it was something else. But the point is the amount of overwhelming, the rise in heart attacks, the rise in myocarditis, the rise in thrombosis and blood clots and everything else. And we're baffled, guys. We're all baffled. They want you to think. They're not. They're running. And here's an important point coming directly from Pfizer's information. Dr. Donna Parthy points out, and yet they're still recommending these jabs right now. The point is Pfizer has issued a press release as of Friday last week stating definitively that the mRNA shots, which we knew already, show increased risks of myocarditis and pericarditis. But the point is now that this is literally on the record, and I got, remember, I lost two huge 100,000 plus in one case, YouTube channels, because I simply argue that they could cause myocarditis. Look at how that aged. And I will still stand on that hill. I'm glad I did it then, and I'm standing by it now. I would still, I would yet again give up one another two channels just to be able to make sure a couple people heard that that was possible and avoided this shot. That's what I'm here to do this for. They, but they're admitting it right here, and yet they're still forcing it. They're still recommending it. They're still forcing it on children. And even as that goes on, Wittgenstein points out Pfizer CEO Albert Borla on Tuesday calls for those who spread misinformation about the dangerous injections that we're now proving with peer-reviewed science is dangerous, criminals. He goes, they're not bad people. They're criminals because they have literally cost millions of lives. That is where, you know, what else are you going to do? You have to double down, triple down, because otherwise you're going before a, a tribunal. I mean, this is a worldwide catastrophe. So they're going to stand by it and hope the government stand by it too. You know why? Because they're also guilty. It's a big deal. Now, this is an important development. It turns out that Reiner Fulmich has been arrested in the German embassy. And it says the, he's been, apparently been reported arrested over sums raised by his COVID committee. Now, does anybody believe for a second that that's what it's really about? Now, we'll have to wait for this to flesh out, but this does seem to have happened. I mean, we've already seen many people throughout this get arrested for trumped up nonsense based on the idea that they're anti you know, what they're doing is somehow putting people at risk. The reality is what they've been doing has been have been saving lives from the beginning. And they've been attacked from day one. Everybody standing up for this has been attacked from the very beginning. They've lost jobs, careers, entire practices, had their children taken away. 
Now, I mean, in general, I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to be interviewing somebody tomorrow about her child being taken from her based on this exact same conversation in regard to medical kidnapping. And we're going to have her on tomorrow in hopes to get some reach on her story. Now, this one just I want to include just because I thought this was ridiculous and it just shows you where their minds are focused. So as there are people suffering in, in the UK because they don't have enough personnel in the hospitals because of what they did during COVID-19. And that's still a problem, by the way, all around the world. Get, guess what they just found out? It was reported that in 2022, during this time frame, when they were hurting the most because of their firing, that the NHS spent 40 million dollars pounds on a year across 800 supposed diversity inclusion roles. Right. So $40 million on 800 roles alone and that because they were special roles, because it's diversity and inclusion roles and they were getting paid more, which, by the way, seems to be quite insulting to people that may be better at the job or doing far more work, but they just aren't a specific diversity higher. Right. The point is, these positions are unnecessary and divisive. Every penny of that that, that could have been spent on frontline staff, nurses, doctors, other medical professionals. I mean, think about that. It's actually, it's obscene to argue. I mean, here's the idea is that you're literally spending extra money for less people because that gives you some kind of point on a spreadsheet somewhere for being more, whatever you want to call it, more in line with the direction that they want you to go at the, in the moment though, your job, your actual job, which is helping people is being hurt because of the future direction of making the world a better place or whatever you believe you're doing. And that's not that. So this is hot. This is, this is KJP and a, and a, and a we're on a hospital level hiring the person who's worse for the job because you hit some kind of diversity point. I don't even know how we ever pretended like that was anything but racist. That's what it is. You're hiring people based on their, their skin color and their, and their, 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 their different woke stats as opposed to whether who is better at the job, which is the only thing that should truly matter. Makes me sad. And of course, even me saying that's going to be framed as racist, despite the fact that doing hiring people based on their race is literally racist. I mean, it's, it's the most staggering thing in the world, but I'll never be afraid to call it what it is, guys, because that's what I'm here for. Now, here is an important point that literally uses our tagline. German health minister believes we have an info pandemic. You know why? Well, because people are questioning everything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It looks like we have reached everybody. Well, I said how it's always should have been, guys where they intentionally manipulate people, and this is what I've said for so long now, is by pretending that to question everything, that it means dismiss everything. I mean, that's actually, even in, in language, that's just stupid. It doesn't even remotely mean that. By questioning things, you're, by definition, you are looking into them, right? But it's not. It's a, but they want you to pretend like you're just going, ignoring that, ignoring that, fake news, I'm not looking at it. When in reality, what it means is to consider every single point or possibility. Consider them, question them interrogate them while questioning everything is the point. Let's just court, you know, say in, consider everything and then question everything is not as fun as a tagline, is it? So I question everything. The point has always been that we never should have been just blindly trusting anybody. I don't care whether you trust somebody or not. The point is they, as we've made clear throughout this whole process, they could just be wrong. They could be misled or yes, they could be lying to you. So you should have always been going, I don't trust you. Hey, but we're still friends. I still love you. You're still my grandmother. I don't care, but I'm questioning you because you're in power. That's how it should be. I'm just making a joke, but the reality is no matter what, because they could be wrong. This happens every single day. Now, one other point, the UNDP releases their digital ID governance framework, October 11th. This keeps building, guys. As all this goes on, this, their digital ID framework, you know, the big fake news conspiracy theory of 2021 and 2020. 
Turns out it was always real, just like we told you. And now they're just going to roll it out like it's a brand new thing. This is all tied to everything else they've talked about. It's on the record. Social credit concepts, they may call it something else, ESG. It's all the same game. It's all building. And I'm get, probably going to find a way to fold it into what's going on today. Now, to bring us into the foreign policy point, from CNN, two U.S. officials have now confirmed, yes, they have indeed sent long-range missiles to Ukraine neo-Nazis. That's fantastic. In secret supply meant to take Russia by surprise. But that's why we spoke about it out loud, right? Because it's a secret. Don't tell Russia. That's how stupid they think we are. The point, though, is that this is real. They've, they've Or at least the narrative is, so I guess they could be lying about it, but they've sent long-range missiles to a group that is literally talking about, I mean, this, this, I mean, I think about this. I was talking about this this morning. We know that they've got bio labs and different material there. This is a reality to be able to send these things anywhere. I mean, within range, but obviously this at the very least well within Russia. So when something bad happens and all of a sudden there's an explosion in another country's capital far away, it's very, the, it, the point is that this is adding to the uncertainty. You're literally arming the most extreme group in the area. But guess what, guys? That's quite literally the U.S. government's tactic. Go back to any war you ever want to look at. We could talk about the Mojadeen. We could talk about the moderate rebels. That's what they do. Look at the group that took power in Bolivia. Look at who they tried to give power in Venezuela. These people are disgusting. They're trying to put people that are morally ambiguous in positions that they can then control. They don't care about the peoples underneath those warlords. That's what they do. Look at Libya, for crying out loud. Let's give them freedom, except we'll turn it into an open slave market. And then let the warlords fight over, maybe back half tar, maybe not. We'll let it just devolve into chaos. Oh, guess what? They don't care. They're looking another direction now. How'd that freedom go for Libya? They were going to get, they, well, they had free healthcare, free, free college. Uh, what was it else? There was all kinds of, it was not without its problems, but it's easy to look up now. The history is very clear. It was, they had the best quality of life of any country in Africa. Now, at least afterward, open slave market. That's the future they want to create. Now they're arming some of the worst open extremists in the, on the planet today. And guess what? A group that they created, armed, and have now used. Same old thing, right? And guess who they've learned from? You know, they've learned well from their own allies like the Israeli government. Now, I just, went, I just mentioned earlier, here's the interview with James Corbett. I didn't include the podcast on this just because the audio was so bad. I think James actually put it out on his platform with an, with an asterisk, but I just, it was the, it was, unlistenable for a long time of it. And even then, once we fixed the weird kind of like electronic double speak thing that was going on, then it was, then it was echoing, which I think partly was my fault, the muting, but I'm not used to because I don't use them. And then I tried and, and then it happened on his side. It was a whole chaos, man. But there, for those that toughed it out, there are some good points in here. As always, James is ahead of the curve. I mean, James is somebody who inspired me to do this work to begin with. So take the time to listen to this. I sure wish we could have had this done in a more, you know, typical style for TLAV, but today I'm going to try to make it up for that. Okay. So this is, I, I did add the links and everything, but we're going to go through this yet again today. Now I want to start with two things in this topic that Robert recently put out. You might've seen this one. This one was on the 13th beheaded Israeli babies, raped women and other disinformation to justify Gaza, ma the Gaza massacre. Now he, he goes through this and breaks this down with the facts, the evidence, the reality, one of which was the lie that's still being circulated of supposedly 40 beheaded babies that, I mean, that every corporate platform that has even brushed across that story has already walked back. CNN even went far enough to go second time to apologize publicly that they even put that story out. 
We've got the a reporter who actually put it out to begin with, who's already walked it back. We've got people associated with that story who said they've asked of long afterward and nobody can confirm it. Even the IDF has now refused to investigate. Now, that doesn't mean that children didn't get killed. I'm, but again, I'm still at the evidence that not that I want to see like that. The point is we should confirm these things. There's still reason to just to question this. That for people that I that I respect, there's still very clear question about whether that even happened. And now knowing that there's some question about whether there was more involvement here or whether there was a, a lie about what even went down at the concert, we should wonder whether this is something else entirely. I mean, there's even a video that I'm un, that I didn't include today of a different report from within Occupied Palestine, where she's reporting that they had Palestinian children's heads cut off that they discovered in different places. But I wasn't sure how to piece that in today. And I just don't want to add more to the confusion about whether there's lies going back and forth because I can't confirm that. Right. Just like I can't confirm this. I can't confirm that. But this we did. We were able to show was being lied about. Right. That the, Who it comes from is a settler who is an obviously and on the record spoke about to getting rid of every Palestinian on planet, right? So it, there's vested interest in trying to lie about this. That got spread around the world. And even Joe Biden said it in the White House, had to come out and say, guess what? We never heard any evidence of that. Then they put out an image supposedly of a burn baby and that got shown to be an artificial intelligence picture. So there's so much of this flying around. My point was to show you, first of all, his great breakdown of a lot of this stuff. But I want to play a quick thing. It's kind of, it's a little bit, disgusting if you want my honest opinion and this came directly from the israeli government this was six days ago a million views this video is about the lie that we've already been we've proven to be a lie this is what they put out there it is Now, let's not forget, of course, and we'll point this out in a second, that Hamas was provably created by Israel and, and helped and funded by the U.S. as well, as well as ISIS, by the way. We shouldn't beat around the bush anymore. So it's really interesting when they try to point out the same two things. And Corbett made some great points about the date they were created, basically the same time frame as Al-Qaeda and the rest of these conversations that were also tied directly back to these entities. Very interesting. And that's one of the reasons why we'll get to a lot of the Israeli population believe that the very least he propped this entity up and that then blew back on them. So there's differing varying part levels of what they believe, but most of them seem to think that he's at fault, if not responsible and took part in what happened. But think about this, this weird video with, with cartoons for those in the podcast where it simply says, we know that your child cannot read this, but we have an important message to tell you as parents. And it's just 40 babies were killed. That is the number and everything comes directly from nothing, an entire story that has been walked back by everybody, including the IDF. And then it just simply says, just as you would do everything for your child, we will do everything to protect ours. Now hug, or, hug your baby and stand by us. That is just unnerving. Why would you do that? Why would you make that? I mean, that is some grotesque propaganda is what that is. So, and again, based on a story that has been proven to be a lie. What do you know? And here's an interesting point. It's about this same conversation and how these atrocity propaganda tactics are meant to be used. This person says this, this um, Amit Karp is a respected tech investor. He says, but because he claims that I, this person, Patty Cosgrove, quote, support the beheading of babies, which is a story that has been proven to be a lie, he will never attend Web Summit. An utter lie, an extreme overreaction to my perfectly reasonable humane statement, which actually was, guess what? This is the point I keep trying to show you. 
war crimes are war crimes, even when committed by allies. Now, point out where he says anything about babies. Point out where he allows anything or is, as he says, supports either of those things. In fact, what he's saying is I don't support either of them. But because that in some way then makes him think that he is like, like here, here's the real point, whether this guy, Am Car- Anti- Amit Carp, even is aware of it or not. What he's ultimately saying is, I don't care about what's happening to Palestinians. And by you pointing out that that exists, you're then acting like my atrocity doesn't matter. That's the whole thing about your outrage does not somehow circ- uh, uh, eclipse other other atrocities or the fact that your outrage does not eclipse other people's rights or anything like that. But think about that. War crimes are war crimes, even when committed. Who can disagree with that? Well, I'll tell you who can disagree with that. People who don't want their war crimes to be pointed at. It's as simple as that. And that's why they're losing this information war, because people are not this stupid. People that are over, they're over, overfilling with hate. People like Alex Bernenson and the rest of these people that are literally standing by their argument that collective punishment on a 2 million plus civilian population is somehow acceptable because you're angry about something that happened. And rightly so. It's disgusting. But what you're really doing is showing that you're a disgusting person, too, because you're going, we'll do it back to them while I wait for what we want. Even though realize that as they're supposedly asking for their hostages back those hostages are being killed with the indiscriminate bombing. Think about how ridiculous that is and how ridiculous the person that would argue that is. Indiscriminate bombing. They don't know where they are. So give us our hostage back or we're going to continue to bomb the area until eventually we kill all them too and we blame you. Support that. Think about that. Anyway, the point is, that's what he said. I'll never attend this again because he supports brutal moral rape and beheading of babies. That didn't happen. Now, here's another important one I want to read, and there's a lot of this going around. Pro-Israel propaganda continues to justify mass murder. Here's the truth. And this is part two to the first one he wrote. And he's probably going to come out with a part three. This one here was part one. And I'm just going to show you one of these. He has three or four important breakdowns of misinformation that are spinning around. I already lost it. I knew it. (laughs) Stupid highlighting app. Uh, Here is the one that I wanted to show you. They keep making these arguments. Gaza actually does have water, but it doesn't because of Hamas. No. I mean, this is the game about ignoring the international community, which we should question everything. But the UN, human rights groups, I mean, this is a reality that everybody knows. I mean, you don't shut off their water, electricity, and power and then pretend like somehow they're... I mean, that's what I, I said to somebody online who never responded, which is that explain for me how... The water quality, which is what he was saying, is their fault. Like, they don't do what they're supposed to, even though you just proved that Israel's in control of that water source. So Israel can shut it off when they want to, but yet somehow they're in control of the, the, how, how, the quality? Like, that just seems willfully stupid. But what we know is there's videos circulating, and they're right here, I'll show you in a second, that are basically saying, look at all this water coming out. We know that they're lying to you, and they're tricking, and they're playing Netanyahu or whatever, and it's, just, it's a complete fabrication. First of all, his point is we don't know where or when those videos were taken or if they're even where they say they are. The point is that's a lot of what goes on today. But he goes, all the videos posted are unverified. Um, he, well, he says, let's assume for a moment that the videos are being spread are from Gaza. He says, this, this does not prove the theory being presented at all. Most of Gaza's water supply comes from the sea, provably, and is 97% untreated water that is deemed unfit for human consumption per the United Nations. Only the upper 10% of Gazans had access to clean drinking water before this whole uh, conflict, the current version. Israel has polluted the uh, Gaza aquifer. 
per human rights groups in the United Nations, making it untenable for the Palestinians living there to get this to get water, while 80% of the sewage from Gaza is pumped directly into the sea, from which the water is drawn back into the taps for people to bathe and even drink. This has been roundly covered. They don't have any ability to control this aspect of the water. A point that some Zionist apologists were making online is that they were that they have a video of the water flowing. This means there must be electricity to pump the water. Also, for anyone who knows the very basic of life, basics of life in Gaza, the people in the besieged coastal enclave have the have to live off of the electricity they store in generators. So there is still some electricity left in Gaza. Well, that's debatable, as they were saying they were running out of the generators they had stored. However, many people are unable to get any. And the best generators are being used by the hospitals, one of which just got bombed, by the way, with potentially hundreds of civilians in there trying to going there to get away from the bombing they say they're going to do. Like this is the whole. And again, even the Rafa crossing was bombed again for the fourth time. I understand it. Everyone's admitting that was Israel and they can prove it. We've proven it already. It says then we have the claims that uh, that this is important. Basically saying that they're digging up the pipes from the ground to manufacture rockets in the Gaza Strip. That is a false story. It, it will show you why they, there's an important story to this. An account is calling uh, this, whoever he is calling, saying that they're saying they have no water, but that's because Hamas digs up the water pipes and makes them into weapons. What's interesting about this, he says, is that again, the claim is not only false, but it is in, in explaining it, why it's false. It in fact makes a strong point against Israel's illegal blockade. Not that we need more of those. The video that is being spread around was actually published by Al Jazeera in 2020. And indeed, it does show Hamas fighters taking water pipes out of the ground. What's interesting is that the piece was published by Al Jazeera to show its Arabic-speaking audience the genius of Hamas weapon manufacturing while having access to so little materials. It essentially worked as pro-Hamas propaganda at the time and did not offend anyone in Gaza. Also, the video, guess what, was showing Hamas digging up water pipes that belong to the abandoned Israeli settlements in Gaza. This is actually extremely damning because, and this is really important, guys, it shows how the Israeli government has been and still does provide water systems to their illegal settlements while simultaneously depriving Palestinians living right next to those settlements of equal access to water. That's not because Hamas doesn't do what they want with what, like they act like they give them everything and then Hamas breaks it and does what they want with it or makes it into weapons. That's not, that is a clumsy, uninformed perspective of people that don't know what's going on in this area because that is to justify that they're, they would, it's all their fault they live in squalor. It is an open air prison and anyone who has two brain cells to rub together can realize that they are not choosing what's going on there. They are, and the, the, big, the big point is they're literally allowing un fettered access to water right next door to where they are and acting like they can't give them what they need. And it says even the West Bank, and this is even more important, a place that is not in an open-air prison. So West Bank is another Palestinian area, but it is considered part of Israel proper to a degree. But it's saying even the West Bank, where the point is they're not completely surrounded by barbed wire fence and snipers and the same thing, but there is an element of that, of course, especially today. But he says in the West Bank, where Hamas does not have any power, only 17% of the water there is permitted to go to the much, much larger Palestinian population. Think about how how disgusting that is. Only 17% of the water in where they live and they're the majority goes to them. While the Israeli settler minority of that same area has an unlimited supply of water. They live in the same place. How do you explain that? Keep in mind that the supply is stolen from underneath the people of the West Bank who aren't allowed to dig their own wells. 
Now it says, now go back to the claim about the pipes that were dug up in the in Gaza. Even if Hamas was to try and use them in order to access more water, it would be meaningless because Israel is not willing to help provide a larger supply or, more crucially, permit the means for the Palestinians to process and clean the water. So even if they were pipes they were digging up of their own, the point is it wouldn't help them access water anyway. If anything, these blatantly false claims are... De are Dem demonstrative, demonstrative of how extreme some pro-Zionist personalities online are, as if they will make up claims that both try to show that Israel is not committing war crimes that they announced, and also that it's being deceived or simply not going far enough to punish Gaza. Like, it's their fault. They did it. Hurt them more. Now, he goes on to make a point about even the concrete, which, by the way, apparently every resource of any kind, which is not hard to understand, is controlled by Israel and then not allowed when they need it. So they can't even have the concrete to build the things that they would need. And then he goes on to talk about the civilian deaths or the fault of Hamas. Why didn't you build them bomb shelters? And it's the same point, guys. That's where he gets into the concrete aspect. All these narratives, if you think these make sense, are people that don't understand the context, what they're really living under. These people don't have access to what they need. They are in a prison. They're not there by choice. Most of them aren't even allowed to leave. But, of course, it's their fault because people want to justify one of the worst genocides I've ever seen in my life. But here's what they're saying. No, they're laughing at you. They only get 11% of their water from Israel. These, I mean, these are narratives coming directly from some kind of intelligence apparatus. That's a lie. Nobody believes that. But of course, it's getting huge reach. Where's the fact check? Where's the Twitter fact check? Two million views on this. It's not true. And then this person makes the same argument. Oh, they're digging up all the water pipes. That's why. It's just, it, and here's one of the images they're pointing out, which again was the argument he was just making that they did this in a settlement that was left when they have access right next to them. This is why Gaza is lacking. It's just, it's, everyone just blindly follows what they're shown. And then here's the best part. This person goes, oh, do you, do you happen to have a timestamp on the video or translation? You know, any evidence of where it actually came from and when? Oh, no, I saw it and downloaded it, but I can't find it. I really have to be more organized. <laughs> why do people listen to this? Either that's ridiculous and you show that you don't even know where it's from, or that's a person that knowingly does not want to show you where it's from. And my point was the same. Even if all they said was true, the point is fine. Turn on the tap of 97% undrinkable water. We already read to you directly from the Associated Press that was telling you that a pregnant woman trapped in Gaza was literally going down to her basement to get trickles of, of, of dangerous water because that's all they can get. There's people that are drinking salt water because they literally have nothing else. That was from the corporate media. So many deliberate manipulations to ensure that civilians continue to suffer. Think about that sentence deliberate manipulations to ensure they continue to suffer. And also, and Mohammed uh, Shihada points out, depraved, is and this is important in regard to the control of that water. Now remember, these people are in nor northern Gaza, that they want them, in some, a lot of them, they want them to move up, up south, or excuse me, down south. And the point is that they don't want to, and they've already shown that. These people are not being held by Hamas. They're telling you they want to stay in their homes, have some shred of dignity. They don't want to leave all of their belongings in their homes for how the umpteenth time, how many times they've had to lose them already. They know what's going on. They're not stupid. This isn't in their benefit. They're never going to be able to come back, and they don't want to give up. They don't need Hamas to tell them that. That's been ongoing for a long time. And even then, you could prove that the statement they point at, or the, and he, Robert does get into this in depth in the article I just showed you, that Hamas is not making anybody stay there. The point is that they're saying that they want, they, we should stay and defend what is ours. And of course, they simply say by making that statement that they're using them de facto as human shields. That's not even a viable argument. And the point is that they, and I'll read the article. Robert makes a great logical breakdown of why that just doesn't even make sense. 
why they somehow want to do that to show that they're the bad guys. But the point is inherently that that means they know that Israel targets civilians. So it basically inadvertently shows that they're in targeting civilians. And the, and the argument is they're taking advantage of that, apparently, which isn't even happening. But they're, what they're doing is they've now, and this, this was on the 15th, mind you, they've turned on the water in the south, keeping it shut in the north. So they're not trying to help anybody. What they wanted to do is basically incentivize them to move to the south. But guess what? When a lot of them did, they bombed them. And this has been discussed by even corporate media, and I'll show you some examples today. They bombed the people as they moved to the south and then bombed them when they were there, including in hospitals. So this was essentially a depraved incentive to move them. Either way, that's a war crime. That is mass displacement. They didn't want to move, but now you're going, here's the water that's 97% undrinkable, but it's up there though. So move over there and get it, and we'll probably turn it off again anyway. We might bomb you on the way. It's all to move them one step further to getting out of this location. And also I want to include this older article that I just stumbled across on our website. It was Middle East Monitor, 2018. The president at the time, Rivlin, the Israeli president at the time, in 2018, quote, we will not allow Gaza to be rebuilt. All I'm simply showing you is they continue. The point is they've kept them in this point. They're talking about the water and the infrastructure. They were telling you back then, we're bombing them all, but we're not going to let them rebuild. And his point was until Hamas is out of the way. But, but there's your point, though, guys. So whether, it, whether you think it's a reasonable justification or not, they never let them rebuild. So now it's the same. So, so you can't pretend like it's their choice to not let this be rebuilt or let them have what they need. They've always had their thumb on the scale. Or rather, they're controlling it. Robin Minani makes a good point in general about the whole overlap. To imply that all Muslims or Palestinians support Hamas in just a broad statement or anybody there all does, like the Israeli, today the president, Israeli president said, or not today, but recently, and therefore all of them are legitimate targets, which essentially is what they're saying, is a form of inhumane racism, ethnic or religious prejudice, which must be called out in the same way as anti-Semitism should be. But of course, then he'll get called a baby head-cutting supporter, whatever that means. Now, I wanted to make this point, and the reason I started with this with James Corbin, which apparently angered some people that I, I talked for the beginning of the interview, and then, and then basically James talked for the latter 75% of it, my point was not to just may I go over the top, but the point was to set the tone, guys. And I want people to understand the opening setting of this, the reality that if they're so bl just blasé, just completely disregard human life, civilians in particular, in fact, openly claim they want to hurt them, that, we, that would add some understanding to whether or not they'd be willing to allow people to die to be able to get rid of them or to take action on them. But, you know, historically, they didn't really need it that much, but... We have to be, we're all, we, I think we're all aware the world is paying attention for whatever reason. Things have shifted. So it's a lot harder to get this done. And I think right now they're beginning to recognize that. But I wanted to make sure we understood this number. Now this, again, this was written, this was put out on the 14th, okay? So it's gone up a lot by then. I think I'm hearing the numbers over a thousand just children, by the way. But we're talking 2,200 2, people have been killed. This was, this was on the 14th. 724 children and 458 women. Okay, so we're talking almost 1,300 just civilians of just children and women, not even counting not well, women and children, because there's plenty of other civilians that are men and not children. But the, it says, the, and the Hamas communications office said Israel's destroyed over 7,000 buildings. That wasn't the point. It's this point here. Now they're saying 1,500 
Oh, actually, no, I forgot they updated the article. So what the point was on the last article was that they were claiming that 1,300 Israelis have been killed, which I guarantee some of those are IDF members. I think based on my assessment thus far, I think most of them. But my point, though, is that that is 1,300, which guarantees some are IDF. So civilians is less than 1,300. They claim that 1,500 Hamas militants got killed in that incursion. Separate independent number, right? So that means that that just women and children on the 14th was uh, the same amount of number in total what's going on in Israel. Total. Just women and children. It's only gone up since then. And realize that even at that moment, they didn't even know. I think that's even just a fraction of what is buried underneath Gaza right now. So, So this is not supposed to be one is more important than the other. I'm simply just trying to show you that right now you've got at the or, or at on the 14th, you had the same amount of the total number of people killed in Israel, which included IDF of just women and children. You need to realize that this is unprecedented what they're doing right now. And that, that, that doesn't mean that there's nothing that should have been done. But to carpet bomb a civilian location, that is collective punishment. Period. There is no defending of that because of what we're looking at. So ask Alex Bernison if he agrees with 1,300 civilian women and children being killed until they get their hostage back. Probably killed within that number, though, which is my point. How do they? And they've already been reports of 20 plus hostages that have been killed. Or how about the four to 600 American civilians that are being bombed in this location? The embassy said that. And nobody cares about it. We keep hearing numbers about the Americans that dealt with what happened in Israel. What about the up to 600 American citizens in Gaza? You know why they don't care about it? Because we're talking about Palestinian Americans versus Israeli Americans. That's not my opinion. It's what they're doing. And that's pretty disgusting. So today we're up to, apparently based on the Al Jazeera breaking story you know, updates, 3,000 total in Gaza killed, 12,500 injured, and then just 61 more in the West Bank. It looks like they're now saying over uh, 1,400 killed total in Israel, which I continue to find it interesting that these numbers, it keeps trickling up. I'm not really sure how that keeps happening, but, you know, either way, the numbers are overwhelmingly more on, I mean, just the civilian women and children. It's almost that amount. I mean, right now, I'm willing to bet you it's more than that. Now, let's get into some of these comments, the comments that were made that I think are important to understand the the real sentiment that's happening here. And think about what it was in the beginning. Like what you're about to hear on the CNN clip, and it's just a quick little one. It just shows you how quickly this has changed. Where now they're going, yeah, well, it's war. Well, so now war crimes are just a casual part of war? Well, no, that's not how that's supposed to work. That is that is a war crime that's being committed. To just pretend like, yeah, well, it's just what goes on in war. That, well, that is actually quite true because the U.S. government does it on a regular basis. But if it's anybody that they're fighting, well, they try to do their best to have them held accountable for those war crimes. But now we're seeing the true face of both the media and the governments that pretend to fight for a rules-based international order while they could care less about any rules. Does that mean, um, you say, does that mean starve the Palestinian people, continue to, because they will be so hungry and will be so desperate for water and medicine that then they will give up Hamas? It sounds callous, but I mean, this is a war. That's just incredible. Now, can you imagine if it was the other way around, right? Can you imagine if that was Iran? Oh, we already know how that works out. When literally they starve their people, they go, Iran did it, bad guy. When Venezuela gets their people starved because of sanctions, they go, Venezuela's infrastructure. Same game, guys. But just, of course, when the narrative is switched and you're trying to defend a certain side, well, guess what? Now it's okay, though. That's just war, though. 
And they, back to you, Sean. That's despicable. You must know these people are aware how dumb that sounds. They don't care. Here's another perfect example of this. Now, I do have the full clip. It's eight minutes, so you can listen so it's not out of context. He goes on after this to simply say it's because they hate them. That's his opinion. And maybe I'm sure some of them do because of literally what they're doing right now. Doesn't justify war crimes or civilian casualties. Never. But here's listen, this is a member of the Israeli military speaking with CNN. And he even starts it by saying, look, I tried to correct you in the beginning. So he's very clear about this point. Correct you to the answer. The war is not just with Hamas. The war is uh, with all the civilians. That he goes on to say that they they hate us. And you listen to it for yourself. There's there the whole the context is very clear. Now he goes on to also make a lot of other points that I think are mostly propaganda. But the bottom line, his sentiment is very clear. And he made sure I tried to tell you in the beginning, this is not with Hamas. It's with the civilians that hate us. Now, look, that's the point Ramanati was just making. You don't get to just decide that because they support Hamas that they're suddenly terrorists. Like, think there are civilians by every rule of war, whether or not their opinion is with the current occupier or the current terrorist or whatever you think it is. Like, that, that is the analogy of saying that, well, because they support the Maduro in Venezuela, that we'll just carpet bomb the whole country. That's the same game we're playing here. The word terrorist gets thrown around like nothing, and we've already seen that. It, you know, just the same as you go, bad guy terrorist. Oh, oh, wait, these are moderate rebels. Oh, you mean the exact same thing from the same group? Uh-huh. It just shows you that they're willing to just lie to you because of what they support. So the point is that there's always two sides and they're always called the freedom fighter versus the terror. That's how this game is played. It's not to say that they're not, but it shows the point is you don't just get to decide that civilians are suddenly targets or people that you can disregard in general, which is what they're claiming because they don't like you. Even if they have every reason in the world to not like a boot on their face, but these people are targeting civilians. That's what I'm trying to show you. They're very clear about that. Here's an important clip, and I already went over this point in general, which you should very much look into. I, I guess I was told it's called a Lehigh Party. This person's name down here in this clip we're going to play for you is Ezra Yachin. He was a member of the Lehigh Party, which is a terrorist group. It's literally a Zionist terrorist group. Per the, per the, per, you can look it up on Wikipedia. They literally called their own members terrorists. They, be, they later got brought into the government of Israel, and they became one of the earliest prime ministers. Or no, excuse me, it was later. I think it was in the 80s, but they became a prime minister. And now they give a little pin that they call the Lehigh pin. This is Their history began with terrorism. And the point is, this is an open, open discussion. It's provable. The point I went over, and again, it's listed literally on Wikipedia, is that this party, this group, twice tried to align itself with Nazi Germany. And then later, Joseph Stalin. And this is the group that later became the foundational aspect of what Israel's government is. That's why our Orthodox Jews all around the world try to get you to see that Zionism is not Judaism. Their people are being lied to. Look into this further if you want. I did it on a previous episode, but and Dan Cohen includes the document here. I just want you to listen to this guy. This is the same guy who was a member of the Lehigh Party, who is now their oldest living reservist. Here's what he has to say. That's Says, be, be triumphant and finish them off. And don't leave anyone behind. Raise the memory of them. Mothers and children. Erase them. Their families. Yeah, let's, let's not pretend he's talking about just Hamas, okay? 
These animals can no longer live. Nowadays, we have no excuse. Tomorrow, Hezbollah could send airstrikes. And the Arabs here could us. We have no excuse. Right. Not, not Hamas, just any Arab, which is what we keep showing you. Every Jew with a weapon should go out and kill them. You have an Arab neighbor? Don't wait. Go to his home and shoot him. And don't wait for them. To fire airstrikes out. And the Iron Dome to activate, which seems like a complete facade. Attack them before that. We want to invade, but not like before. We want to enter and destroy what's in front of us. And destroy one after it. Right. Not because Hamas is there, but because we're trying to get ethnically cleanse this area. They are. With all of our forces, complete destruction. As you can see, we will witness things we've never dreamed of. Let them drop bombs on them and erase them. All prophecies sent by the prophets. There it is. Are about to occur. And this is why it's so terrifying to realize a religious war. Because things get uglier than any other possible scenario. So these are the people we're talking about, guys. And this is what's driving this right now. And now let's get let's take this a step further, and this is going to be very disgusting. This is from Middle East Monitor. Israel confesses to intentionally killing children to pressure resistance. Now, had I just shown this article and said, look, here's what Gaza, here's what they said, here's what Israel talked about, right? All of the people that doesn't want to hear, you know, Middle East Monitor, and liars about fake news. Well, how about we jump over to Haaretz and talk about it there? if that makes it easier for you to understand. Killing children brings Israelis together. This is, this is Haaretz. Well, let me get rid of that highlighter thing. <laughs> Come on, damn it. There we go. Sorry about that. Okay. So th- this was written in 2023, in May. Okay. So this is very interestingly timed, like, like with the other article we'll get to, uh, telling them they're going to retake Gaza in March. They said that of this year. Interesting timing. Well, let's read this. Now, this this is from Yossi Klein. This is, I, 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 I almost felt like this hive was being fooled somehow. Like, how can this possibly be real? Here's what it says. There's nothing like killing children for bringing together hearts and minds. For the past 18 weeks, Israelis have been fighting each other. The judicial reforms, the protests, right? Unable to find anything to bring us closer together. Then came the killing of children in the Gaza Strip and proved that we're all brothers after all. My God, that's the opening paragraph. Barriers fell and ill will was forgotten. It must be admitted, he says, killing children is the most heinous of crimes. There is no crime that is more contemptible. In that lies its deceptibleness and its, oh, its, its despicableness and its power. It acts as a deterrent. It's effective and streams fresh new blood to flow into our arteries. And by the way, there's numerous videos of uh, rabbis speaking about discussions of banging children's heads against the thing. Apparently that's some kind of classic saying. Uh, That's something for you to look into. But it says, if anyone had any doubt that the Air Force is strong and threatening, 
the children's killing went and proved that it's too early to say any eulogies for it. It's strong, it's terrifying, and it's confronting an army of about 30,000 soldiers who lack the means for aerial combat. The killing of children and the bombing of civilians are, are of greater deterrence and effectiveness than any target bank of the infamous collapsing of buildings or any attempt to, quote, eradicate the foundations of terrorism once and for all. First of all, don't miss that they admitted that they were targeting children in the last back and forth. He says, at least in this guy's mind, which is very important, it says killing children is designed, designed to cause pain, to strike the most sensitive place of all. It is designed to stop terrorism. Think about that sentence. It's designed to deter the terrorists and make us happy. When Itamar Ben-Gavir talks about, quote, a painful blow, I imagine that he's referring precisely to that. Talking about the Israeli government. In fact, he should change his election slogan, not, not 50 dead terrorists for every missile, but rather, get this, quote, 50 dead children for every missile. This is what he's claiming openly should be his election slogan because they believe in this, or at least that's what he's saying. Something about such a, st a statement from him would uplift people and instill confidence. Guys, this is not a joke. It's not a trick. This is literally his sentiment that this is powerful, good. Well, it's all bad and we know it's bad, but it's good for Israelis. That's what he's saying. Uplift and instill confidence by making sure he tells you that he's going to make sure and kill children with the missiles they send. Killing children is an effective action that becomes carved into memory. Now, and again, make sure you understand people, there's some trying to make that, well, he's what he's talking about is when they kill our children. No, he makes it very like blatantly clear of when they kill children, put 50 dead children for every missile on their slogan. So make sure you understand that. He says the killing of children is not only aimed at deterring terrorists. When the ministers of this government spoke about the painful blow, as he just told you, he believes he means children, they were referring to us. They let us know that they aren't spineless, powerless defeatists like the previous government. No, they let you know they were going to kill children. That made you think they were strong is what he's saying. They certainly succeeded, he said. They hit us right between the eyes. The pictures of children are shocking and disturbing. Perfect. Makes it exactly clear. Everything he meant was that. They showed us that they killed children and we realized that they weren't spineless. At least that's what he's saying. I mean, how do you not understand that? I mean, right here, after all, the 500 children who were killed in the summer of 2014 didn't bring down any coalition. They're openly proud, I mean, at least from his perspective, the Israeli government is proud about this. And they claim at there's some level of society that this is what they are bringing them, how it brings them together. So is anybody at this point in any illusion about the fact that the, which by the way, we don't need any narrative to realize that the indiscriminate carpet bombing of a 50% children area is not, I mean, it's obvious what that's going to do. Kill 50% of children. Or, you know, the 50% of the numbers killed will be children if you're indiscriminately bombing an area where 50% of the population are children. I can't, I mean, every time I go over this, I just can't even believe that we're actually having this conversation. We're actually outwardly trying to argue, or some people are, that that is in any way acceptable. I mean, God only knows what this is going to put in people's minds around the world for when they act or when they get bombed. Well, suddenly nothing's off the table, right? Because we just watched them literally genocide the entire, I mean, they'll get to the point about the families that are gone. 45 plus Palestinian bloodlines forever just eradicated from the earth. 
break, Robert wrote this two days ago, breaking Gaza in one week. The child death toll in Gaza surpasses the child death toll during the entire Ukraine war. That's per the United Nations. But yeah, let's pretend like that's justified, right, Alex? This tells you everything you need to know. He also wrote, he also wrote that it was, uh, I think, the amount of bombs that were dropped. And Eva Bartlett wrote about this. Apparently, an unprecedented amount in a small area. Apparently, they dropped more bombs in just this last week than an entire year of Afghanistan. I mean, this stuff is, un- I mean, it, it's really that disgusting. Most of the people killed are women and children. And they know this. Now, here again, on the record, is the current Israeli president telling you ver- verbatim there's nobody innocent in Gaza. As if they're supposed to what, get up and leave a place they're not allowed to leave from or somehow wage some kind of resistance by themselves against an armed entity that Israel created and put there. I mean, it's unbelievable. And again, as Robert Minotti point, you don't just get to blatantly go, they're all there because they agree with them. Therefore, they're all targets. That's disgusting. And these people are disgusting. Sorry, wrong one. It's uh, this one here. Israeli president. Uh, Working, operating militarily according to rules of international law, period. Unequivocally. It's an entire... You got to love that dumb statement. What, just because you say period unequivocally? I mean, that's ridiculous. How exactly you pretend not concerning yourself for children is, I mean, look, it, look, it doesn't matter if literally everything they said was true. This could literally be Hamas with, with children strapped to their legs, with women tied to the floor. It's still their fault for killing these people. Like, you have to understand that. And I'm not talking about, I mean, even those people that they have as human shields. There is always the discussion about key, concerning, it's like, think about a hostage. I made this point last time. If this is the equivalent of police at a hostage situation, Blowing up the building and saying, job done. Well, we got the bank robbers, didn't we? Well, are, what are you mad about? I thought they were having human shields. That's the law. No, that's not how that works. You don't get to disregard the hostages. You deal with the hostages. The point is that that's not the only part of this. There is people that are just living in this area. Children that were born yesterday. They're not making a choice to be there. They know that. They don't care. And by the way, Americans. There's 400 to 600 Americans, which, by the way, should be no more or less important than anybody else. My point is to show you that Biden and the rest of them are completely okay with that, as they tell you that nobody there is innocent, even the Americans, even the people from the UK. There are people of different for ethnicity or different uh, passports that are in Gaza right now. They don't care. Unequivocally, it's an entire nation out there that is responsible. It's not true. This rhetoric about civilians not not aware, not involved, it's absolutely not true. They could have risen up. They could have fought against that evil regime. What What a coward's response. What a coward. But the bottom line is, didn't he just say nation? Not the bottom line, but one of the important points. Aware, not in rhetoric about civilians that is responsible. It's not true. This out there. That is responsible according to rules of international law, period. Unequivocally. It's an entire nation. Okay. If it's a nation, I think, he, I think he made a big mistake by saying that. Because it is. Right? This is occupied Palestine. That's what this is. That's the nation that Israel has occupied. But what's interesting is they simultaneously want you to think that it's not, that it is a nation, right? And they're, they're hurting us. Okay, so you're either then... Like the bottom line is that what you're doing is bombing this, this this area that technically you're in control of. 
right? So it's not a nation. You're occupying the area. But by saying that it's a nation, you're simply, you're making it clear that this is open. I mean, that there are war war crimes being committed. But I think it's important to, to realize that they always play this game back and forth. Like at one point there's a border, but the next date there's not based on whatever they're saying, right? Like it, there's so many of these miss that they that they play this on both ways. Right. The bottom line is you always need to remember that I haven't said yet today is that this is an occupied territory per the United Nations or every human rights group, which then means per the Geneva Conventions, they have the right to armed struggle, armed rebellion. That's that's recognized by every country in the world. So that means that the actions taken by Hamas were legal until they committed actions against civilians. And that was a war crime. And that does not somehow invalidate the resistance in the first place. I know that's uncomfortable, some people, but it's the simple reality. Out there, that is responsible. It's not true. This rhetoric about civilians not, aware, not aware, not involved, it's absolutely not true. They could have risen up. They could have fought against that evil regime, which took over Gaza in a coup d'etat. But we're at war. And again, one more point about that. So the same analogy to argue they could have risen up. I mean, that's the same point. Same thing. Take a bank robber, take any other situation. Your argument is somehow that they should have, because they didn't try to stop the bank robber, now they're responsible for what happened. It's not the same as in a long-term occupation, but you can make the same argument anywhere, in any world war, you're, any situation you're talking about. You have a peoples that are there, and they don't, and especially if you're talking about some kind of a, a terrorist force, they're not choosing that. These are people that are, are crazy or dangerous. Ask the people that took over Libya. Right? These people don't want that. That's because of U.S. foreign policy. But now your argument is somehow because they didn't do anything about their presence. With what resources? You destroyed their lives. And now you're going to blame them 10 years later, 20 years, 100 years later, because they didn't do anything about it? Because they just tried to live their lives the best they could? I mean, it's disgusting the way that they're trying to conflate this. But it's because they don't want these people there. They think that they're, as they told you, human animals. They shouldn't exist. Erase them all. That's why I'm showing you those statements. That doesn't mean that there aren't Palestinians that would say the same about Israelis, and I would condemn those too. The point is, right now, there's only one side being genocided, and I think that's important not to skip past. We are at war. We are at war with at our. We are defending our homes. We are protecting our homes. That's the truth. And then, when a nation protects its home, it fights, and we will fight until we break their backbone. Yeah, not Hamas. All of them, as he made clear, since he said there's nobody innocent. Just, there's no missing it, guys. They, I, I think they think they're being tactful. It's not. They're, they're exposing their hand. Now, here are some important points. Just to show you what they keep saying out loud. Okay, so this one is from uh, uh, Minister Katz responding to or, uh, Ortez, of course, excuse me, AOC, who, again, no way, I don't support any of these people. I think they're all ridiculous. But her, whoever says it, to say... This is collective punishment and a violation of national law. That's a fact. That's an objective reality. Whoever's doing what they're doing there. We cannot starve nearly a million children to death over the horrific actions of Hamas, whose disregard for Israeli, Palestinian, and human life overall could not be more clear. So she's making it clear. Hamas, bad guy. But as anyone who's not a child can be, who should be able to stand up for, that does not justify starving children, turning off their water, and then bombing them at the same time, even in the location they're at, or where they flee to, or where you tell them to go to, or the crossing you tell them they can take. All of which is now being proven by even corporate media, because they don't know, I don't think they have any other choice at this point. It's that obvious, and the world sees this. Governments are rising up and saying, take them to court, to the ICC. 
So by saying something that clear, even though going Hamas bad guy, the point is no. Absolutely not. We will not tolerate the murdering of family. Well, nobody's saying you have to, man. That's, that, that is the dumping of the narrative on top of the statement that is middle. All crimes are bad. We won't tolerate crimes on our side. Well, that's what we just said, man. We just said crimes are bad. Like, it's just about trying to turn it back into what. So you basically stand up and say, here's the bad side. Here's crimes on both sides. And what you do is then speak louder and make it redirect the rage to only one side of the conversation and act like anybody caring about both is somehow a bad person. I just don't even know how anyone's buying that. No, and, and that's the thing is nobody who, who has a heart is acting like what happened in Israel was not disgusting and terrible. But he says the main point. They will not receive, they being all of the civilians in Gaza, that's the sentence right before that, they will be ordered to leave. He says they will not receive a drop of water or a single battery until they leave the world. <laughs> kind of hard not to miss that. Then he even under this post from the United Nations, the Gaza Strip, nearly one million people have been displaced in one week. One million people in one week. <laughs> Unreal. In the past 12 hours alone, hundreds of thousands of people have been displaced. The exodus continues as they move to southern parts of Gaza because they were told to, and then they bombed them when they went there. Here's what he says. We will not let up and we will not stop. Hamas is responsible for what is happening. That's not true. It's simply not. Hamas carried out atrocity. You're responsible for what's happening now because you feel you're justified based on what they did. Very different than saying they're responsible. On the water and the electricity and everything. How is that possible? They're now responsible for you starving children to death? The purpose of the, mo the movement to the South is to prevent Hamas murderers from using the population. So then why did you bomb them when they went to the South? Or the crossing they were supposed to leave from? Nobody's seeing, everyone's seeing through them at this point. Now this is Dan Cohen pointing out the Israeli defense minister, who is saying very clearly, Gaza won't return to what it was before. We'll eliminate everything. So as I said, Netanyahu was lying about allowing them to return after they get displaced for the third, fifth, fifth hundredth time, whatever it is for each individual person, should they get forced to leave their homes again. So they're telling him, oh, don't worry, we'll let you come back. Well, except here's what he says on the record. Oh, actually, it's just right here. I mean, I just, I just read it in general. Gaza won't return to what was before. We will eliminate everything. So that means the hospitals that are left are the people that can't remove themselves. Yes, guys, as we'll get to right now. There's entire UN hospitals and UN locations with 400, 500,000 people who are hurt that can't move or that can't make a nine mile trip up to whatever their, however far away it was to get up to the South where they're bombing anyway, or where they're bombing as they go. And these people are there and now they're bombing those locations. It's if you, if you're acknowledging that, if you're pretending what's happening right now is somehow justified, you're on the wrong side of history. And that's going to become very apparent right now. Not because, I'm mean, saying like very soon is my point, but it should be already. Loki from Impress News points out, here is an, a, a policeman, an Israeli policeman. As you got an individual of the press reporting what's going on, he literally comes up, threatens him to say what you, good things, and then turns and make sure you see in the camera that we will turn Gaza to dust. That's what he says. He says, what are you saying? I'm live right now. What are you saying? I don't care if you're live. What are you saying? He said, I said the, the Israeli military is doing. He said, he said, I'm saying what they're doing. He says, you better say good things. <laughs> really respects journalism, right? And all the Hamas should be slaughtered. Am I clear? Why would you be yelling at a member of the press? 
right? Because there's a problem here, guys. There's a lot of hatred here. Because if you don't repeat the, the truth, we woe is you. Now, at that point, you know, based on your perspectives, you could argue that's he's mad because he knows they're lying about what happened. And, you know, maybe you could think that. That logically would make sense for the outrage. But here's what he comes back to say, which makes it very clear that he means all of it, not just Hamas, which shows you what side we're really talking about said the Israeli police are monitoring what we're saying. one screaming and threatening me. And here he comes back. Right right so for all the people out there acting like, you know, let's even say for a sake of conversation that the government doesn't mean that. The point is that the people in some level of this definitely want that. And so it shows you this sentiment, this, this, the, the extreme resettlement level of this. Now, I, in no way have I ever maintained that everybody in Israel thinks the same way. That's not true. I've shown you the Orthodox groups that are speaking about this. I've shown you the civilians that speak up in support of Palestine. My point is that there is still, just like we have in the United States, there's a hardline element to people that are blinded by this two-party illusion that literally want their enemies to be murdered in the streets. All right, we see it. Same thing's happening here. It's the same game. And these people, they're making it very clear. They have a lot of hatred for average people because they don't look like them, because they're propagandized to hate them. Now here, there's an in, the Israeli defense minister, we already showed you on an earlier show, said he's going to reduce the entire place to city of tents, which show, so they're, not, they're clearly not getting their houses back. But also you have politicians calling for nuclear bombs to be dropped on Gaza, which, you know, you should take that about as seriously, which it could be as Lindsey Graham acting as belligerent as he is on every day of his life. But the point is, he's just one politician, so it doesn't mean the government thinks this, but it certainly could. Now, let's get into what's really going on. Now, of course, here's Alex. I only use this because this is what I, I responded to. I guess tripling down on the argument. The use of civilian... Oh, and this comes from that video, which I find very interesting. I knew it was going to spin out like this. Remember, I showed you that video of what was Hamas members, which, you know, as, it, as we assume, I guess. I, 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 I think I said then, the point is, like, this is just a video, right? It could sit... I, I saw a video on, uh, on... I think it was somebody sent me it from, on, from on Fox News, I believe where a member of the U.S. government is speaking and simply going, I just saw a video and I can't believe it. I'm thinking to myself, God, these people are so childishly naive. Like, how do you know that video is real? How do you know that the people in the video might not be people dressed up like the people they want you to think they are? Maybe it's Mossad, CIA, or maybe not. Maybe it's Hamas. Maybe it's real. The point is, I just find it interesting that all it takes is one. I mean, this is why comedians these days can call the highest people in positions of power around the world and just say, hey, I'm Zelensky, and they'll fall for it. Think about how stupid that is. I, 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 these people are not checking anything, apparently. But my point is that the, the, there was a video that, that looked like Hamas members being very gentle with children, rocking the cribs. And I even showed you a video, and I'll show you more of these today, of them you know, walking somebody out that said they were hurt, saying, don't worry, we're not going to hurt the children, which, in, which is what Vanessa Bealey and Robert Inlakesh and plenty of other people think is what ultimately the body of the people would do the current iteration of whatever Hamas has become post, you know, in the argument of post control of Israel, but that maybe that's not the case. Maybe they're still under control. We should ask that. The point is there's a lot of sentiment that argues that from the top down levels of the resistance, that they are very clear that they don't want to hurt children, that they want to keep the hostages safe so they can trade them and so on. I'm not saying that's the truth, 
But I'm saying there's a lot of people that I respect that think that. At the end of the day, we have a video that seems to contradict the first claim. They're, they're killing all the children, right? Without any question, they're murdering them down in the streets. And then they go, but here's a video of us not doing that. And they go, but now they're holding them for shields. And it's like, okay, all that's possible. But can't we address that you just made an argument that just got disproved? Now you're just jumping to the next argument. It feels very reminiscent of what we've seen in the past in COVID or wherever else. Now, the point on that is that's what he's referencing. They came out with a video right afterward and said, here they are, they're using them as shields. And that's become the talking point for everybody in that situation. Maybe that's the case. Or maybe they're trying to show you that we're not hurting children. Now, at the same time, though, there are people that are kids that are arguably, I guess, in their control is the sentiment. But how do we know that's the case? Maybe they just took video of them not taking those children in their homes and then they went back. My point is, I don't know. For them to assume that's the reality is just it's it's advantageous for their position. So they do. Doesn't it as a journalist behoove you to find out the full picture? Not when you're now in this position. Ask him about cannabis. He'll talk you off about things I can prove or, long, or false. But it says the use of civilian hostages, human shields is a war crime. Oh, so now you care about war crimes. I see. Only if it's a one-sided discussion. What about the active use of human shields that Israeli's government does on a regular basis as their actual policy? Or the targeting of children and shooting down with snipers. I've shown you many times. Those war crimes don't matter because we're the bad guys. Right? That's how he argues. Hamas governs, govern, governs and is responsible for Gaza, which is not even remotely the full picture. 2006 was the last election. As far as I'm concerned, the Palestinian Authority has far more control over what's going on there. And that's an agent of Israel, as far as I can tell, as far as Robert believes and plenty of other Palestinians would tell you. And of course, we have the Fatah group, which is not Hamas, and they've kind of argued on control. And then we have the Doha agreements, which were supposed to kind of solve this and stalled out a while ago. I also point out that do we re- are we really that naive do we think that, they, I mean, look, when, when 2006, when, when this election supposedly happened, which I know the, the argument is they got elected, right? But I still question the reality of that. We know that Israel created Hamas. We know that they have been on the record. And I'll show you more today as we get towards the end. Even their own people are very aware of that. Articles, the Times of Israel say he propped up uh, Hamas. And, and we can prove that they created it. That's been admitted by their people. Ron Paul talked about it in front of Congress. So my point is they in, create this entity. And then in 2006, they have an election. We're supposed to believe they're going to let them pick a group that they're openly calling terrorists as all of the Palestinian population as they were. Like, that's pretty damn naive, don't you think? Especially since it seems that it's in their interest to put in power the group that they created for that interest. But nah, <laughs> don't question any of this stuff because just Alex said so, right? For ceasefires, the negotiations, no supplies, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so he's going war crime and then okay war crime, right? So bad war crime justifiable action, not war crime, even though they're both war crimes. It's just such a childish dynamic. My point is this. Oh, and the the main point was, as he says, after all of that, none of that until they release the hostages. But the hostages that are being killed as they indiscriminately bomb. But, you know, logic isn't a play here. This should be, he says, the base position of the UN. Oh, okay, the United Nations. Of course, right? That would make sense. And I said, well, well, maybe, maybe the UN's just too busy with 11 of their members dead, the 30 pupils in their schools killed, and almost 800 children killed by Israeli airstrikes. Or, you know, maybe the 200,000 plus injured and staff and suffering people that they're currently sheltering from airstrikes. You absurd hypocrite. But the point is, those people are just some of the ones that just got bombed in the hospital. But guess what? This has gotten worse since I posted this on the 15th. And I include their tweet. Gaza Strip, the situation is unbearable. Our colleagues are being killed. So he literally calls on the UN to condemn what they're doing as they're the ones being bombed by the carpet. I mean, this is the stupidest. Guys, you got to be careful who you listen to. 
this right now is really showing you people that are either too proud to admit that they took a bad stance or are being misled and okay with that or choosing or being paid to. I don't know. How do you make that stance and stand by it right now? That's the UN right there telling you. And here it's gotten worse. Okay. This was on the 15th. Now, this is the Palestinian refugee arm of the UN for, for the Gaza area. Now, it's saying that they are mo- now they're mourning 14 colleagues, 14 members of the UN. Imagine if that happened anywhere else. Imagine if that was in Syria and it was Iran's fault. Oh, my God. We wouldn't stop hearing about it for the next six years. They'd probably invade, but not here. It's oops, Art, we didn't mean to, so we just ignore it. Sort of sounds like the classic concept of U.S. foreign policy. At least 400,000 people are now in their schools and buildings, some of which are being bombed. Old people, children, pregnant women, people with disabilities are just being deprived of their basic human dignity. But Alex says, keep going until we get what we want. Maybe they're all dead by that time, but you know what? We'll have starved you too. Freedom. Right? Well, here's the UN speaking up, trying to get your attention. So far, they've, as of today, they've lost 15 people. In addition to everything else we just told you. But this person says, oh, that agency of the, the, the UN, specifically the Palestinian one, that's the worst, most corrupt on the planet. Literally an arm of Hamas. Gee, I wonder where they heard that. Right. So it's interesting how the UN, when they want them to, they can do oh, whatever they said, bad guy. But when they speak up as the United Nations, whatever part of the faction, because this is not some indus, this is part of the United Nations, guys. This is the United Nations in the Palestinian refugee element. And they're just going, oh, not that one. They're bad guys because we don't like what they're telling us. No, they've been murdered, guys. Their people have been killed. It's undeniable. Here's what they released. And you can hear some of their colleagues from the ground telling them the bombarding doesn't stop. Seven day, eight, what is almost 12 day nonstop round the clock bombing. It's obscene. Actually, I thought, uh, oh, here it is right here. In Gaza these days is all about surviving, not just living. Having some water for shower is like being in a five stars hotel. Well, having the phone fully charged is a dream. A few minutes of internet is far beyond dreaming. My day starts earlier than before these days, way before sunrise, with massive and noisy bombardment happening almost every 10 or 15 minutes all over the night. These are the sleepless nights, literally. Bombardment doesn't stop during... Now, just so you, in case you're unclear, these are UN staff members. Daylight, but less heavier, or maybe I feel so. It's more like the nightmare is always bigger and heavier during the dark in the daylight maybe things a bit calmer well this is how i think now here's the disgusting part of this there are people who are going to hear that and say oh that's probably hamas oh that's that's one of those bad guy arabs the palestinians whatever showing you their disgusting racist mentality while they call us bad guys Right. Just because they have a certain accent or because maybe they're Arab or maybe they're Muslim does not mean that they default. But they're showing you what we keep trying to show you. That's how they perceive all of this. It's not just Hamas. It's all of them. That's what the reality is, guys. We need to make sure we're very clear about that, because that's why it's indiscriminate bombing. As apparently every government of the West and their supposed rules based international order just looks the other way. We're going to pretend like it's all good. I mean, we told them to follow international law. They're probably doing that. Oh, I'm, I'm busy. I can't look. Despicable. 
I mean, the worst of the worst. And Israeli warplanes, guess what, guys? Completely destroyed the warehouse of this location, which contains humanitarian aid supplies. This is the United Nations Palestinian refugee location in in Gaza. Now, I hope to God that there's not people there, but I find it hard to believe that there's not. It just happened from yesterday, late yesterday. So I I think we're probably going to find out more. At the very least, that there were supplies there that they needed. Now, ask yourself, it doesn't even matter, ultimately, how in, at what other point in history has it ever been no response to a UN building being bombed? Do you remember, remember the overlap with the UN in Libya? I mean, this is, it's, if this was anywhere else, it would be the, across the world. Every headline, everywhere. Weirdly, everyone's quiet about this. As the Israeli government just bombed a UN warehouse. Are we supposed to pretend that they assumed Hamas was there? There's just no answer. And that's the worst part. Nobody cares. Where's CNN? Where's Fox News? Where's MSNBC? Where's NBC? Where are they? You know where they are. They're plugging their ears. They're stomping their feet and they're looking anywhere else. Blows my mind, really. I mean, I never trusted them. I never thought they were honest. But how do you ignore something like this? And this is why my point is they're losing the information war. The UN spoke up and said, and this is from the UN proper, the general main UN. The past week has been a test for humanity, and humanity is failing. (laughs) Exactly. Now, I'm not trying to say that I believe that everything we're seeing is the majority opinion, but I'll tell you what, it's not, it's impossible to miss that what we're looking at is the majority of the Western power structure pretending to be the moral basis for everything going on in the world. The people telling you about the rules-based international order, telling you about equity and sustainability and your World Economic Forum conversations and the Great Reset, and how we're going to reimagine everything and build it back better. These people are disgusting. This is what they really are, and they're, and they're failing. Rather, because of them, humanity is failing. Not a peep. Now, this was on the 15th, and this is my point, guys. The reason Biden said this, in my opinion, is because he sees the writing on the wall. So seven days of nonstop bombing of civilians. Israel gets whatever they want. Whatever you need, we support you no matter what. She has a right to defend herself over and over and over, bombing nonstop. Then, on the seventh day, we must not lose sight of the fact that the overwhelming majority of Palestinians had nothing to do with Hamas's appealing attacks. Appalling, excuse me, and are suffering as a result of them. I, I bet you somebody tries to pretend like that was a choice right there. Just slip of the tongue. The point, though, is that he is literally coming out after seven days of indiscriminate bombing and, and saying the thing that's supposed to be racist and disgusting. You denying to babies heads cut off or whatever the narrative becomes. It's the same thing. That there are people that aren't, that are not. I mean, look, we just went from the president of Israel telling you that there's nobody innocent. Here's Biden going, he's lying or he doesn't understand. How that's what you have to take it as because he's telling you there are people there that are not guilty, and that's a, a basic object. That, that's the reality. It is mostly innocent civilians over there, and we all know that. People are trying to rationalize and propagandize and scare you away with big words of anti-Semitism and racism, and nope, just innocent people being killed. And Biden apparently now recognizes it's either bad for his upcoming election or that he's going to somehow be criminally accountable. Because I, I could promise you they don't care. 
based on every other thing they've done. But here's my point. I said, well, about seven days, 800 kids, thousands of civilians, 11 UN members too late. Likely why you're pretending to care now. The world sees you calling for, I guess, awareness that Palestinians are not Hamas, yet not end the bombing, understand? After seven days of indiscriminate bombing is pathetic. I mean, it really is absolutely pathetic. You should be embarrassed. Well, here's a new development. This is on the 15th, at least for me. I didn't see this. Amnesty International has spoke up and said they have verified six videos of an attack on the 13th resulting in civilian casualties along the Salah al-Din Street, a route the Israeli army had designated as safe for civilians to flee after an Israeli order told them to leave northern Gaza. Israeli military have been urging hospitals and international orgs in Gaza Strip to rapidly relocate people to the south and airdropping leaflets. This is virtually impossible with no transport children, sick and older people, pregnant women. So they're calling out the lie, guys. They can't move. Our research team found that a convoy, including a truck carrying around 30 people, eight cars, and other nearby people, including women and children, people with disabilities, was attacked. This is provably Israeli bombing, guys. Ambulances that arrived at the scene were hit with a second attack. Classic. They do it in Yemen. They do it everywhere, guys. The same kind of people with the same tactics. This is yet another brutal illustration that civilians in Gaza have nowhere safe to go. They fear they will die whether they leave or not. Israel's orders to evacuate is not compliant with international law. Yet nobody cares. All the world's rules-based international order club just pretend like that doesn't matter. Civilians must be granted access to safety. Absolutely. Orders to evacuate hospitals already on the brink of collapse are unacceptable. So now we have Embassy International making it clear that Israel has targeted civilian convoys and is breaking international law. But it's not like we needed to hear that a second time. And here, yet again, Egyptian media are now reporting that Israel has yet again, for apparently the fourth time, bombed the Rafah crossing, which is the only location they can go in right now to get over into Egypt. This happened while international efforts were intensifying to get aid to Gaza, which they already told you. On the record, they were going to bomb aid if they tried to bring it in and help stranded dual nations out. Uh, Help stranded dual nationals out, excuse me. Thousands have begun to take refuge in and around the crossing. Right, so they just bombed again. This was on the 16th, which was yesterday. So this brings us to exactly the worst part of this conversation today, which I just, I'm I'm almost blown away by, man. I'm I'm just stunned. the, The absolute inhumane, cruel, despicable actions. Bombing where they're going, bombing as they go, going, telling them to go a certain place and then bombing that place. Now we have a hospital where they were holding up in the right location where they were supposed to be in none other than a Baptist hospital, a Christian location. Bombed by Israel. Provably, by the way, as much as the tri- there's already now the narrative swinging around. I don't know whether it started with intelligence or just people on Twitter trying to make their narrative work for their side. They're claiming Hamas did it with no evidence whatsoever, despite the fact that you can literally prove that the munition that they used is the rockets that Hamas has the capability to make or they it's not even close to, to it cannot create the bomb that we see here. Killing over 800 people in just this one bombing. And we're talking about women and children and the elderly, people in hospital beds. That's what just happened.
Take note of the explosion. That's important. Ya Allah! Ya Allah! Ya Allah! You know, it's so funny how, how willfully ignorant people can be in, you know, they don't like my point, like just right there, like realize that all he's saying is God. Like when we go, oh, my God, that's that's what he's doing right there. But of course, people who only hear that as some kind of like cry for terrorism because they're that uninformed and ignorant. That's that's how people would frame something like that. But the point is that is an Israeli bombing of a hospital. Robert Inlikesh reporting Israeli airstrikes target the Baptist hospital in Gaza reports of up to 110, 810 dead. This would mean that now over 4,000 have been killed in Gaza with 1,200 currently under rubble, best estimates anyway. Unbelievable. Here is Salomain Ahmed pointing out the image which I used for the show today. Israeli airstrikes of hospital yard and he's, he's putting it at two to 300 people in Gaza. The point is, it's you know, there's estimates that are all over the place. Obviously, this was a massacre. Really hard to wrap my mind around, man. I'll tell you. Now, he, Robert has sent me some some information about the breakdown of what was there. Again, this is developing. So the point is that ultimately, this is coming directly from the spokesperson on the ground. They're claiming that well, and this is the, it is a historical hospital associated with the Anglican Church, which, in my opinion, is likely why it was targeted. Also associated with the church organizations, hosts made di- were people that were in the building. The reports are of many displaced families who reside there, including patients and injured. It became a shelter due to the consecutive Israeli assaults on Gaza. There were hundreds of people dead because of this bombing. Ambulance services trying to evacuate the bodies and count the dead. Many children are among the dead. And then here's what you get from the corporate media. I mean, this and this, at, while you can prove this happened, airs, Israeli airstrike kills hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say. And that, that's as Sam Hussein, right? Just Palestinians say, right? You can't even just report the obvious thing that just happened. It's got to be undermined in some kind of, that's how, that's the game. That is the same game as saying the Israelis were killed and these 200, you know, how many Palestinians have died? I mean, interesting, they just miraculously die for no reason, right? Well, Syrian Girl reports the bomb that hit the hospital was a D a JDAM or a JDAM that came off of an Israeli jet. Hear the sound and firepower of the JDAM. The Hamas rocket claim is so laughable. They have they have no such power. The Israelis are trying to absolute their absolute their crimes, but they bombed four hospitals. The fourth, guys. And this is what she's linking to. The hospital was hit with a very high probability of the JDAM bomb. And you can see the, the comparison of the bomb here. Right. And the comparison to the, see that it's, it's the same thing. And and the point is whether or not the same thing in your mind, Hamas does not have that capability guys. They don't have an air force. So it's really stupid to pretend like that bomb that just came down from this. That's, that is an airstrike on this area, but they're playing on the ignorance of the average person guys. That's what they do. I always forget to do this when I have a video playing. Hold on. So let's get into some of the important conversation here to discuss the false flag possibility. I believe that's where we're going next. Okay. So 
Oh, actually, before we get to that, I did have some other things I wanted to show you so you guys can see of things that like, and this is the kind of stuff that we keep seeing things that have been called fake news. Absolute lie. You're getting Amnesty International confirming it. You're getting Human Rights Watch confirming it. You're getting the United Nations literally telling you our people are being murdered and nobody talks about it. How do we not see the kind of control that is? The Zionist government has this kind of control and it's very clear. I've never, or I mean, the point is at some level, power structures are controlling the flow of information. I think that's always been clear. Human Rights Watch breaking. Israel has used white phosphorus in munition, in military operations in Gaza and Lebanon, both locations confirmed, putting civilians at risk of serious long-term injuries. Just so it's clear, by the way, if this is used during the day or rather just in general, if it's used anywhere over civilian locations, it's a war crime. If it's used during the day, it's almost always considered a war crime because it's, it's more of a signal. You don't need to be signaling like this stuff during the day. But even then, if it's not around civilians, there's always been discussions about it. It's always a lie. The point is, this is over a civilian location without question in both circumstances. And now Human Rights Watch is confirming that for you. White phosphorus causes excruciating burns and can set homes afire. It is, it, it, its use in populated areas is unlawful. Here we are. And yet that still gets dismissed. Now, Human Rights Watch is an anti-Semitic one. They work for Hamas or whatever dumb narrative we're hearing her people that just don't want to hear it. And I said, now realize how blatantly Israel lied about this. They came out right from the highest level of Israeli power and said, that's not true. I unequivocally deny that. Well, they lied. So think about that. This provable use of white phosphorus over the very civilians that they now disingenuously claim they want to protect. Explain that for me. And then realize that all the mainstream media and the Western governments happily towed the line while calling us conspiracy theorists and racists because we were right. They did use white phosphorus. And it's not that hard to wrap your mind around. They've talked about this many times in the past. They've proven they've used it in the past. Now, renewed bombardment with white phosphorus shells on Lebanese border town of Al-Dahira. This was yesterday. Over and again, this stuff is continued. They don't care because they feel like they can act with impunity. The Palestinian Red Crescent, who, by the way, I've already reported to you that they targeted one of these. They they went, they let them in to take people, and even the corporate media reported this, and then bombed the ambulances as they took them. The Palestinian Red Crescent Society released a statement demanding accountability for the killing of four of its paramedics in Gaza, adding that targeting medical personnel is a grave breach to international humanitarian law and to humanity. Well, so too is every other tactic they're currently employing, but the, the, the rules-based international order doesn't seem to care. This one is another one, same point, and this is an important video, right? For all the people, this, this is evidence of it happening in real time. It says, in fact, I cannot think of any other country on earth that in full view of nightly TV audiences has performed such miracles of, de of detailed sadism across an entire society and gotten away with it. This is an ambulance being bombed in front of your eyes. This is Yusuf from the ambulance. They have targeted all the people who are transferring from the, the from the north to the south. They have targeted us now. They have bombed us from the 16th. And this is one of the team. And this is another one. And this is a Shahid. So you can see for the podcast, those are their people now in the, in the ambulance because they targeted them. And realize this has already been confirmed. 
corporate media has covered this. They targeted them after they told them they could go in. And these other teams, they had targeted us by F-16 now. And we have, we have evacuated some of the danger people. They have directly injured us. Please, inshallah. My God. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's everywhere. And this last one too, again, the one we just watched was the, was the video of the, I mean, these people watching their fellow workers be carted away dead and they're demanding accountability, which likely won't come because the people that act like the arbiters of accountability don't care. Now we have journalists, more journalists being killed. This is uh, Israeli airstrikes kill a journalist in Gaza. I mean, this is, this has happened constantly guys. There's been multiple reports, but it's hard to confirm this stuff. Right, and this is Solis points out. Israel shells also killed a Reuters journalist, but now they're remember we covered this already. And this is what they're now saying: Reuters journalist killed in Lebanon in missile from fire direction of Israel. That's the best they can do. Think about how disgusting that is. This is provably an Israeli airstrike. And my point was that I already covered this. Right. So how'd you been covering? I mean, this is what this is the best Reuters can do. For how this was at least what three or four days afterward, we reported this the day it happened on the thirteenth. Reuters journalist killed by Israeli bombing. You know why? Because you could prove it. It's deduct. It's basically though. It's 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 obvious based on the current evidence. You could prove he was there because there's other journalists that were there with him that survived. You can prove that he was killed because Reuters admitted he was dead, and you can prove that right before that Israel admitted to bombing that exact location. It's on the record. So. Best they can do is, well, we, a missile came from their direction. Well, what, what, why don't we get that kind of objectivity in any other situation? Well, they know we died. It could have been Israel too. No, you'll never hear that. Never. So if you want to watch this, again, shouting out the fact that we are on these things, and it's not just my opinion. Now, here is the Red Cross making sure you see yet again. Thousands of buildings have been destroyed. Mass casualties are unlike anything seen in past years. The medical system is on its knees. This was on the 14th. People have nowhere else to go. This is the reality of the situation. This was, again, on the 14th. At the moment, it's way more than that now because it's nonstop. We're days, 24-hour bombing. You know, with the point is just round the clock is the better way to say it. 1,695 buildings completely destroyed. It's way worse than that right now. Times of Israel writes, and this breaks my heart, man, more than most points. Within nine days of the ongoing Israeli aggression on Gaza, 47 families comprising 500 members have been wiped out of existence as were as all were killed by the airstrikes their entire families gone that's called ethnic cleansing palestinians in gaza try to rescue a little boy from under the rubble from a house which was demolished by israeli airstrikes just take now this isn't graphic but it's still hard to watch guys if you i mean this is what's really going on on the ground and they're still bombing here i mean let's be real that kid is dead My God. And they're risking being bombed while they try to save that kid's body. Now on Democracy Now!, an Israeli historian and genocide scholar, Raz Siegel, has, says, has said Israeli leaders dehumanizing language about Palestinians in Gaza and the IDF's conduct are cause for alarm. Yeah, that's even a soft way to say that. We're, he says we're seeing the combination of genocidal acts with special intent 
This is indeed a textbook case of genocide, says the expert, but let's pretend he's an anti-Semite, this Israeli historian. Well, we now have more evidence of how the world is, spe- is I mean, the world is seeing this, guys. This is what I keep trying to show people. They have lost this information war already. Doesn't mean it's going to stop. Doesn't mean they're not just going to push harder because they know that they have no other direction to go in. But hopefully some kind of pressure can be applied. My point is that they, the world is now stuck. People that were 30 seconds ago on their side unequivocally are going, time out. I can't keep pretending this is not what it looks like. Even if they don't care, their career is at stake, which is what they mostly care about. But now we've got Colombia speaking up. We've got Spain speaking up. We apparently we've got leaked information, which this is coming from. Uh, well, I'll get to it in a second. Wyatt Reed points out Colombia's foreign minister has demanded the Israeli ambassador apologize and leave the country. You know why? Because he dared to say that they were committing war crimes, and then he called him an anti-Semite. Because that's the best you can do when you're when you're knowingly being called out for what you know you're doing. You accuse them of racism. That's how this works. This comes shortly after Israel blocked military exports to the South American country and accused the Colombian president of anti-Semitism for speaking out against the genocide of Gaza. Well, here's the, the cradle. Colombian president now, this as of the 16th, threatens to suspend Israel ties over this. We do not support genocides. That's a, this is a big deal, guys. These are countries that are U.S. allies. Here's Spain. Spain's Minister of Social Rights says, given the attempted genocide being carried out by the state of Israel in Gaza, we propose that the government of Spain take Netanyahu before the International Criminal Court for war crimes. They'll never concede to that. But the point is, the world is using their weapons against them. They see what they're doing. They have hurt themselves by pushing it this far, which is te- tends to happen when you're zealots, when you're extremists. The Zionist government, I mean. Now, here is Tassim News Agency, which, again, I could point out that they clearly have an interest, I would argue, in trying to present it this way or any, any news outlet. Question everything, guys. But this is what they're claiming. And this, I'm sure somebody could probably confirm this. This is a, a leaked document, they claim, saying American troops do not want to sacrifice their lives for Israel, which, of course, they're calling anti-Semitism in this leaked email. But is that what it is? Is it any different than them going, I don't want to go die and fight for an extremist in Ukraine? It's because they see what's going on. Here's what it says. And this is apparently from General Daniel Hokanson. It says, I want to set up a meeting to discuss something concerning I'm hearing from Tony. Apparently, there's a growing anti-Semitism among the enlisted troops who are openly stating they're against Israel and will and not willing to put their lives on the line for them. Now, being against Israel is not even remotely anti-Semitism. This like Orthodox Jews will tell you Zionism is not is not is anti-Semit or anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism. Israel is a Zionist state. It's ridiculous to pretend being against a country's actions is racist. I mean, it's just that stupid. But they see, I would argue, that this is not something they should support. But you could also point out some of them might be. Who knows? But let's also realize that Semites are Palestinians, if anything. But So it's kind of a, to- a ploy in and of itself. But let's just call it racism. I'm sure there are people racist towards any grouping of people in this large grouping of people in the military. The point, though, is I think it's not about that in this context. That would be my opinion. It says, with Trump's remarks against Netanyahu, which I haven't commented on, it's Trump standing up and saying that he, Netanyahu is a problem or whatever he said. He should be. The point is that I think it's because Netanyahu didn't stand by him. That's typically, you know, kind of weak Trump, I would argue, like not very, not all hubris. And if you poke him in the eye, he's going to poke you back twice kind of a thing. But the point is that it's framing now the most, one of the most pro-Israel presidents in the world are now kind of making an anti-Semite, but they're making it out to be that it's all about the right wing anti-Semitism racist thing. It's all they got. 
we need to come up with a strategy to deal with this and rally the troops together and support against Hamas. I think it best to get to try and get ahead of this, blah, blah, blah. The point is, Americans in this, according to this email, don't want to go fight this. And hopefully they don't anyway, whether they want to or not, because that would mean world war. But Tim Shorek points this interesting thing out in, in a Times article, New York Times. He says the New York Times confirms that Biden's risky trip to Israel, this is today, the, the, the post is today, his, his trip apparently for the 18th is nothing but PR, which doesn't surprise me, giving Netanyahu the moral sheen to carry out a massacre of Palestinians in Gaza, which they're already doing. One half of Gaza's population is children. Here's what it says. While Mr. Blinken, or excuse me, Mr. Biden and Secretary of State Blinken have backed the overthrow of Hamas, they have also stressed to Mr. Netanyahu's government that once Israel is seen blowing up buildings and triggering Palestinian casualties, they should be arrested, they should be called out, that they're criminals. No, that public sentiment around the world could change. <laughs> Clearly they care, right? Oh my, if you murder children... We could hurt. We could be hurt by that. That's their sentiment. Think about how blatant that is. If they're triggering Palestinian casualties, there should be a crime in the rules-based international order, but not when it's Israel, of course. On the record, they're going, yeah, it might swing us away from our election. Public sentiment might hurt us. I mean, come on. And the point he's making is that means that Biden's trip is simply to kind of go, look, we're all on the same side. It's all okay. Not to stop anything, but to airbrush the narrative. As they're murdering an entire civilization. It's disgusting. Now, let's get into the final point here. Which I do think is very important. Now, I, I, I took a lot longer to go through all that today because I added a bunch of stuff. But the point of the interview was meant to kind of set that tone. Right? That is important to understand what we're about to go through. To understand why this might make sense. Dan Cohen points this out first. In March of 2023... The Israeli parliament passed a law paving the way to conquer the Gaza Strip and reestablish settlements, which or establish them. The idea that this is somehow reestablishing something is the lie to begin with. But the reality being that they're trying to argue that there are they passed a law to try to take this, even though that's a violation of international law, like so many of the things they're doing. Because that would be more illegal settlements. Any of these, any one of these settlements is illegal. The whole point is Biden and the U.S. government pretend like we're trying to get back to some kind of 1967 borders. And it's just they ever since then, they've been taking more Palestinian land every day in every home, one after the other. And we just look away and act like it's not happening and still pretend they want a two state solution as they scream. We'll never let that happen. It's all one big lie. But the point is, they're going to they wrote a law that said, OK, we're going to do this. In March of this year. Think about that. And he writes, uh, this is citing the hardline minister. At the end of the day, the sin of the disengagement will be reversed. I don't know how long it will take. Sadly, a return to the Gaza Strip will involve many casualties. See, certainly seeing that right now. Ultimately, he says, it is not part of the land of Israel, and a day will come when we will return to it. I mean, that's a hard thing to miss right now as we're watching these extremists speak up and say, well, we're going to take it back with lots of casualties a few months before we get here or more than that. Here's the article if you want to read it for yourself. Now, one more point I think is interesting. Inversionism points this out. He says, there is no conceivable way that all the highest level and advanced border protection and surveillance technology in the world all failed simultaneously. The borders of Israel are the most guarded and watched place on earth. I agree with that. 
the soldiers at the ready to defend and and attack the mo- at, at, attack the moment anything passes the wall. This is the main question everybody should be fixated on because it would mean that everything we're all arguing about is under false pretenses. Please ask questions. Don't be sycophant for war criminals. And he just points out this article from March 30th, 2023. Right? So that this article went up on March 22nd. March 30th, Israel launches the most advanced of its kind radar spy satellite. Interesting. Arguably going in the other direction. Okay, so we have a couple other important things to note. October 12th, Israel had intel on Hamas activity, but didn't put Gaza border on high alert. So in and of, by itself, well, maybe they just didn't think it was a problem. But when, ta- when this taken with everything else and all the information they had, including the fact that even Egypt reached out three days before and said, they're going to attack you. Something's going to happen. And then they didn't put it on high alert. That is even more clear. But as we keep going forward, you're going to see that all this together, I don't see how this is possible, quite frankly. The the Spectator Index points out, the head of Israel, Shin Bet, kind of like their FBI, the country's Intel, Intel Security Service says his organization, quote, failed to provide a sufficient warning to thwart the Hamas attack and that the, quote, responsibility for this falls on me. Now that, to me, sounds like a, this is yesterday. A last-ditch effort to go, he made a mistake, that's why it happened, everybody forget about it. I'm not buying that. So he didn't, one guy, even though these are automatic sensors, I mean, we were going to, I'll play this video again in a second. There's no way. 15 different locations, whether simultaneous or not, at at the same incursion, 15 different locations were breached. Multiple sensors did not go off. None of them, in fact. Not a single one, as I understand it. There's no way. That, that happened without something. And let's be clear, Hamas does not have the technological abilities to do that. Now, look, we can theorize about whether, they, like, as people desperately want to try to patch together with no evidence, that maybe Iran was involved, maybe Russia was involved, maybe they acted in some way. But you know that if that had happened and if there was any fingerprint, they would be waving it in front of your face nonstop. Now, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. So just being objective, we can consider that as one of the possibilities that maybe some higher power with technological abilities that somehow shorted, circumvented something, something to stop all of this, certainly possible. But that seems like a big stretch, especially with zero evidence to go on. So it's just a guess, which, by the way, a lot of people are just stating that because it's easier than claiming that they were attacked and allowed it to happen. But there's also this, let's not forget, the Iranian Tassim Agency, which again, that's the same one that was talking about the leaked document which I said the same thing then. I don't, I don't know how we can take it at face value. They're claiming that they have sources that are citing Palestinian resistance members. So that could mean Hamas. It could mean Palestinian, Palestinian Islamic Jihad. It could mean a lot of different people. The point is they're claiming sources that are saying that part of the Israelis regime's army forces literally collaborated with the Gaza resistance in transmitting information about the state of the army, sensitive areas, and even directed Palestinian forces during the penetration. That's a big statement there. Now, if what is, I'll show you again in a second that we know that Israel was has that responsible for the creation of Hamas, it might begin to feel like this is just how they're meant to be used. Now, here's the video I think is very important. We played it a few times. It's worth watching again. Uh, Efrat Fengenson is an important uh, 
person to follow in all this. I, I really appreciate her stance on this, even if I don't agree with everything. She ultimately is being objective about this and trying to see both sides of this. And she's the one that argues. And again, the point that James and I made, well, she's the one, see, I always do that. She's the one that argues that this is something that was deliberate or at least allowed to happen. And the thing that James and I discussed, which is very important, is that her sentiment to begin, which is like, I'm not even sure if I should be saying this. That's how this is supposed to work. Why wouldn't you say this? If you feel that there's something wrong, if you feel that, ever, the, that the, what the story you're being told, like with the 9-11 lie, it doesn't add up. Well, just like with 9-11, if you spoke up when it was happening, you were going to get attacked in the street. People were going to tell you you were an un-American terrorist. But of course, now we know that we were, we were lied to, right? And the point is now those people are going, wait a minute, I was lied to. The point is, don't you think they would have wanted to know? It's, it is our obligation as journalists and researchers to be able to ask the hard questions when it is most difficult. By waiting until the fervor dies down? Well, that, then it's too late. The story's stacked into place. They know that. So her, the, my point is the atrocity propaganda, all this push, that's what that's meant to do. If you're out there and you're in this field, as she's doing, you, I, I give her a commender for this. Find the courage to talk about it, even when it's tough, because it's important. So here's what she has to say. Overall, the point is, like she says, I don't know if sacrifice is too rough of a word, but we were sold out. Possibly explain such a failure. Incompetence seems inadequate to explain it. Now, you're in a position to say more about this because you have, you have manned that border. Yeah, it's very hard for me to talk about it because it's um, <laughs> there are so many friends and family members of friends that are missing and have been taken hostage in this barbar barbaric act that talking about what I know feels like, sometimes feels like, why is this important now? And at the same time, I know that if we don't talk about this, then we will just let them off the hook once again. Because to me, and, and I will explain why I think this, this is a great atrocity. Um, because to me, this is, it's, I don't know how to say it. It's just the people of Israel have been, I don't know if sacrifice is a too rough of a word, but we have been sold and sold, uh, out. sold out completely and uh, no help for hours and hours and no military involvement, no police, no arms on the ground. Now, that's an important point that we're going to get into next, because we do, in fact, see a police blockade. That, in, that the fleeing people from the concert ran right into, which arguably ended up creating a problem where they were caught in a crossfire, not in, in addition to the earlier parts of that. So she's arguing that there was no police presence, but it's in one case, in one weird anomaly, there seems to be. But also the, re the reports of hours without any kind of response. Now, there was the allegation of a stand down order we're going to get to next, but it seems that people are at, are, are at least disputing that. And this is an outstanding interview, by the way. The full link is in the show notes or will be for hours and hours this is something that is non-typical and unusual for israel defense forces now i've served in the military forces 25 years ago as uh, i was in the intelligence uh, forces 
based in the Gaza Strip, as I told you. And I know the security drills. When I served, there was no internet. So I would sit next to the phone in my uh, shift of the fence of the security of the Gaza Strip. And whenever something would move alongside the fence, I would get a phone call from the human observers that are looking at the gate um, telling us there is a chain of command that you have to notify when something like this happens and then straight away uh, forces come in to look at what is it and take it down. So what do you mean when something moves by the fence? How small is it? It can be a pig. It can be a cat moving alongside the fence or touching the fence or trying to cross the fence. An animal, they would identify it they would see it there so are a cat a cat gets scrutiny. trigger yeah it could trigger the fence yeah and An animal. 25 years later with and 25 years sensors. later with internet and with the most sophisticated high-tech weaponry systems and there are drones and there are helicopters and there are troopers on the ground and you know there are many things that are supposed to be activated there are various lines of defense and layers of defense that are supposed to be activated when something like that happens okay so i just want to make this clear i mean it probably is but you have a system that is sensitive to anything the size of a cat or bigger that system since you were uh manning I've heard from other people in the IDF that have manned it like in the, the technological age that it's way more sensitive than that. That, that small things can like something could drift from the, from the air and land on it and it'll get a notification. Now I, I can't confirm that I've never been there. I've not in front of these locations, but my point is I've seen at least two other examples of them claiming that I, like a, like a leaf landing in a certain location could set off some kind of alarm, but that's up for you to decide. But or even her point is the same idea. We're just talking about sensors that have gotten way more sensitive since the 25 years of advancement, as I think Brett makes here at the end. It has had 25 years to mature and become more sensitive, to become more discerning. And yet, how many places was that border breached? Fifteen. 15 places it's not more yeah 15 and that is completely ridiculous because normally with one breach of the fence the whole army is triggered and things start moving immediately things start moving immediately and here there was nothing for hours that's crazy i mean i really don't know how we don't realize that that's i mean at the very least there should be an explanation by now right you don't just say, oh, well, we were dealing with West Bank, which is what they said to begin with. Something is amiss here. Either they're too embarrassed to admit what happened or this was something that was allowed to happen. There's a lot. My main point here is they'll re- have to realize there's a large portion of Israelis who believe that. Now, here's something. This person, I'm not familiar with their work, put out, Netanyahu ordered the Israeli military to stand down for seven hours during the Hamas invasion. I sat with the Jewish charity leader, Sicily, Sicily Routman, or Routman, who received intel directly from her Israeli rabbi and other top-level government sources. Well, I do not agree with equating the Palestinians to rabid dogs, which I'm, this sounds like that's what she says here. I understand why Israel wanted Gaza completely wiped off the face of the earth. They only needed a reason to do so, or else the UN would have intervened due to the war crimes and genocide. 
it wouldn't be the first time a nation's leader sacrificed their own citizens to start a war. Maybe it really is Israel's 9-11, which is kind of the point I made earlier of the show. Like that, interestingly enough, it does seem like based on the reality of 9-11 that it was a false flag and a lie that maybe that is more close than they realize. All that was her statement, by the way. So I simply said, I would not call this confirmed, but this does seem to be what many Israelis are expressing. And there is evidence to that effect that the Israeli government was either involved with the killing of Israeli citizens or let it happen to achieve its political objectives. Now, let's take a listen. Intentionally let Hamas kill Israelis. Both the IDF and the Israeli Air Force both stood down for seven hours. You won't believe what a Jewish charity leader told me today. Israel has the most sophisticated intelligence in the world. There was no way the government didn't know that that was going to happen. Mm. We're friendly uh, with uh, several good people in Israel. One is Rabbi Hanania Weissman. He knows a lot of people in Israel. He knows confidential sources that he shared with us their information that, about the stand-down order. And he sent out a missive that, indeed, the IDF was given stand-down orders, both the Army and the Air Force, seven hours to stand down while those attacks took place. And this allowed the terrorists to come in and begin slaughtering and torturing the uh, citizens. Personally, I think... Which, again, there's dispute on what actually went down there, and, and especially the idea that there's... you know, either, I mean, The point either way would be that, I guess, logically, if this was something that they were allowing and in control of, if that's the argument, that they would want it to be bad. But maybe, I mean, I don't know. It's up for you to decide. But there is dispute on what really went down. I'll, I'll play a video next where they argue that this was more so the IDF involved with trying to fire. And I'll get to it in a second. But the point is people dispute that. That this situation is akin to a family keeping a rabid dog in their home and then blaming the dog when the baby gets bitten. So, so you can very clearly see that their perception of all Palestinians is that. So, I mean, you, you can't honestly take at face value someone's perspective on how this gets played out if they're using, if those perceptions are playing into how they think this would have gone or did go. Because that's disgusting. I mean, Pal the Palestinians are human beings like anybody else. The parents needed to remove the dog many, many, many weeks ago, right, before the dog had a chance to injure somebody in the family. So I look at the government of Israel and they really needed to make sure that these people did not proliferate on their borders. And so they are held partially accountable for having to now go kill God's creations in order to secure their border. This should never have happened. So either way, her point is that they're responsible, they let it happen, and that it was their fault it got there in the first place. It's very interesting. So whether or not you t believe what she's saying, the point is that is a prominent charity leader Jewish charity leader that feels that he's responsible so that point in and of itself is important that seems to be a sentiment even if it's false that is proliferating throughout the Israeli population but so so far I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that there is something going on here now here was the video that I played I'm gonna go over it again from CNN of course they've verified more than 50 videos which we don't get to see that they give you this weird compilation of really no evidence of anything although I'll, I'll, I'll go through it together they show you one example they claim is Hamas, even though I'm skeptical on what, based on what we're talking about today, especially based on different uniforms. Oh, I think I think I have it down here. Yeah, right here. But overall, my point is about the, the way they claim this went down in regard to the, the concert.
There's frustration, but no sense yet of the horror about to unfold. As news spreads of rocket attacks from Gaza, people begin seeking shelter, crouching close to the ground. But even this doesn't lead to outright panic. Rocket attacks visible here are a regular occurrence in this part of southern Israel. About 10 minutes later and some start heading to their cars. The decision of when and how to leave the festival would mean life or death for many. Some fled early to nearby bomb shelters. It's 7.10 a.m. and many are crammed inside this one to the north of the festival. Now, it shows you them from inside. So you've got this video of somebody looking from all the way in the back out to the front. And yet, I'm not, I mean, maybe they turned it off and started it later. I don't know. But you just get this shot all of a sudden from somebody with their camera on their face looking around. I mean, it feels feels like something that there's something left out of that. Or my point is, if they if they had evidence that showed that this was directly Hamas firing on people, this would be everything they'd be showing you. I just I'm, I'm not saying it proves anything. It just seems suspicious to me the way that this video is presented. But they've been followed. Jumps At 7.24 a.m., Hamas throw a grenade inside, causing horrific damage. I mean, quite frankly, that does not look like a grenade inside of an area like that would be demolishing these people. Let's be real. Right. You're in you're in an enclosed container. With a grenade? Crammed inside this that one not to look the like north of the festival. But they've been followed. At 7.24 a.m., Hamas throw a grenade inside. Like, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I mean, quite honestly, I mean, look, there's the person at the bottom that looks like it's a little bit fuzzed out, but I don't see any injuries. I just see blood. That just seems strange to me. I'm trying to be hypercritical at this point because of all the other evidence that comes out horrific damage. This man, Noam, emerges stunned into the daylight. And it's not the only shelter to be targeted. 30 minutes later and further down the same road. This is the only shot we get of what they tell us are Hamas, and it shows them throwing a grenade and then it cuts away before you even hear an explosion. I just, the way that this is framed just feels really strange to me. Hamas militants are caught on dash cam footage outside another shelter. Throws a grenade in. Throw a grenade inside. And then cut. In total, CNN has identified... Don't you find that strange? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this was literally cut and edited by the Israeli military and sent to them and they put it up. Wouldn't surprise me. Now, here's where it gets important. ...four different shelters near the festival that Hamas attacked, all full of people. Over the next- Which doesn't make much sense to me, like, from an objective here, unless your argument is, as usual, they just want to murder people for the sake of murdering people. Certainly possible. Our governments do it all the time. But ultimately, historically, the groups that they say that about, like Assad just likes to gas children, it turns out they're the ones doing it to try to blame him. Doesn't mean Assad's the best person in the world. The point is, they lied to achieve their end. And we're starting to see more and more evidence that that also might have happened here. Next six hours, hundreds of civilians were killed, hunted down as they tried to flee the festival. By examining over 50 videos of that morning. So we get even just at a quick glance of this. They're showing you all these little side shots. I've looked at this for a minute. I don't see any evidence of anything but a camera on a person with what looks like blood with no actual sign of injury. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. And get, to be clear, I'm not disputing that there were Israelis that were killed. I'm trying to break this down in the concept of whether or not this might have been something other than what we were told. Now, the argument would be that if this was something that was allowed to happen or if there was other parts of this that might be criminally make them expose their agenda. And people did die, that they would try to give you something that was more engineered to make it look like a certain footage that they would like something that wouldn't show that there might have been their involvement, if that's what actually happened. 
let's realize this has been carried out by our governments in the past where we're, we're given completely our, like, let's not forget like the, the, the gas attacks in Syria that have been broken down, proven to be completely falsified. And, and remember, there were events that actually happened <clears throat> event where they did, in fact, use weapons. That, that's what Carla Del Ponte from the U.N. told you, that the rebels used those weapons. They blamed it on Assad. And speaking to 12 survivors, CNN has established that Hamas surrounded the festival, blocking three approaches to the south, north and west, forcing people to flee across the fields to the east. OK, so what's the point of that? Right. What's the importance of like? So, the, again, the argument of they want to just murder all these people. OK, so if they wanted to murder all these people, why didn't they pin them in? Why would they create a three sided control to force them into the one direction that seems to run them right into the Israeli police? Maybe they're just planned badly or maybe there's something else going on. I just find that to be a little bit strange. Like their stated argument has nothing to do with just people at all. Right? They could be lying. But again, if this was about just making sure they would hurt people, I don't see why it would make sense to do it this way. Across the fields to the east. Even then, they were hunted. It's now 8.15 a.m. and Gal Bukshpan survives along with others by running across the fields. He's pictured here in the white T-shirt. Local police and security told them to drive east across rough land due to roadblocks on the main road. Okay, so the east or the, the security forces told them to go in that direction. Which I guess would make sense, especially if they, I mean, but how would the security forces know that? That's an actually, that's a very interesting point. So, now, okay, <clears throat> you've got security forces on the ground, right? Not, I did not, uh, the argument is not police, security forces from the concert. So not somebody tapped into the infrastructure, right? You've got security forces there with them. Then they say, run to the east, which just so happens to be the one location that there's not somebody blocking that runs them right into the police blockade. That's a little bit suspicious, isn't it? I mean, that's pretty crazy. How do they know there's not somebody there? They picked the one location. They don't know everything going on. They're running with these people, too. That's interesting. But many end up fleeing on foot. We were like ducks. It was like a range. People were running in their hundreds. Um, and you can hear the bullets coming. And let's not forget that while before they run across this, you see there's video of I, the, of the security members firing from within the protesters which would then arguably draw fire back and, my, and people argue they got caught in the crossfire. And it's the same argument they make about this next point. Were you seeing anyone get shot? Yeah, you can see people fall. It's 8.30 a.m. and as Gal and others continued running east, others running north met with more bullets and a police blockade. Okay, so 8.30 in the morning, you have people running into a police blockade that is set up because of what's going on. So explain to me how at 8.30 in the morning, you've got police that were so in the know that they were set up with a blockade, but yet there's 15 locations where people are breaking in and no one's doing anything about it for hours. I mean, these are logical inconsistencies, guys. There's no way these things make sense. Now, that doesn't therefore mean they're behind it. But there's clearly something going on where these things just don't add up. And then just the major point about the technological advancement. There's no way that this could have happened the way that it did with the advancements that they have. Now here, look, there's another video that I find very interesting. And you could you take this for what you will, just one person's opinion. He says, this is one of the most important videos they ever made. We're challenging the narrative about 250 innocent civilians that were slaughtered at the music festival. We do not challenge this narrative to deny that civilians were killed or to belittle the suffering that has taken place, but rather to break the atrocity propaganda that has been spun in order to justify the ongoing massacre taking place in Gaza. 
Many Americans currently support the Israeli response because they believe the lies that babies were beheaded and that concert goers were raped, tortured, and slaughtered. We need to break this narrative immediately and call for a ceasefire to prevent more human suffering on both sides. Join us in this mission by spreading this video everywhere. Side note, do you notice how many asterisks and audio cutouts we had to use in order to avoid censorship? You'll see what he means. We're st- we are forced to stutter like Joe Biden because Instagram, TikTok, you know, hold on, just censorship stuff. <clears throat> we, they sense that we source the video content and the sequence of events from the New York Times article. Just, so that's where the data comes from. After watching our video, read the article and watch their content to make up your own mind about what really happened that day. Keep in mind that the concert was not meant to be held so close to the base and the location of the event was set just the night before. We, that's been proven. Even Billboard.com uh, put an article about that that they weirdly shifted it right before they put it in a dangerous location that wasn't as secure, like right along the fence. It was ridiculous. Even, even other people have spoken up and said that doesn't even logistically make sense unless there's another narrative here. He says, there's no way for Mil- There's no way the Milton's knew the event was happening. Most importantly, this is not just a justification or endorsement of the violence that took place. We condemn all the violence. Okay. Now the video itself, you'll hear it, cuts out whenever they say certain words. There's a re- that's why they're trying to avoid censorship. Hold on. I think that's it. Yeah, here it is. Carried out an attack on southern Israel across 22 different locations and claimed the lives of at least 1,500 people. Israel claims the majority of these people were unarmed civilians. And while some civilians were certainly killed, which is tragic, there is a problem with the Israeli narrative. They have presented this attack as a terror attack on civilians. A good example of this is the claim that militants attacked and killed 250 people in a mass shooting at a concert. But we are about to expose and debunk that claim, and we're going to do it using the New York Times. I want to make clear that I am not justifying or condoning this. I am simply challenging the narrative. Gaza launched their paragliding are flying over the wall heading in different directions. Their targets were military bases. We know this because of dozens of videos showing mil- storming these buildings and capturing soldiers and equipment. Three miles from the Gaza border is one. In case you missed that, the one of those is Hamas, the bleeps there. The point is what he's saying is there are lots of video. There is lots of video evidence showing that they were going directly after military bases. The only real anomaly is the the what they claim happened at the concert. And then what they claim happened at that at that one specific uh, uh, village or, or rather just community. So it's interesting that those are the anomalies when everything else we see was directed specifically at military personnel. So that does seem to add more like to what Vanessa and Robert would argue that this is not what they were trying to do. And that maybe this is something that was engineered or allowed or done in deli- like a false flag conversation. As if you're not willing to question that, especially with the history of both these governments, you're just letting yourself be deceived, possibly. One of these bases, the Gaza Regiment military base, along the 232 road, there was a music festival taking place right down the road from the base. After the was completed, militants got into vehicles and continued their by driving along the major roads heading towards other bases. This is how the found themselves at the concert. Before the military arrived, the concert goers had heard the shots and were panicking. They then started to leave the concert, but they couldn't take their cars because the road was now being blocked by Israeli police and security trying to cut off the Gaza. Isn't that interesting? So the idea is that they were ultimately stopped from using their cars because of the of the Israeli police. And that ultimately they were the ones that were shooting and they got caught in the crossfire is what he's arguing. Seems to make a lot of sense with what we already know. This is when the concert goers began running away into an open field because they couldn't get into their cars and drive away. When the arrived, they exchanged air with security. And this is why the parked cars along the road were riddled with 
To be clear, civilians did. They were tragically caught in the cross. They were not the target, and they certainly were not killed any mass. Now, there were hostages taken by fighters, and this is truly terrible. They should be returned safely and quickly. But there is so much evidence showing us the fight were not there to terrorize civilians. Listen to this Israeli woman talk about how fighters were kind to her. So this is in, in, in Hebrew. It says, they, they look around, and the one says to me in English, I'm a Muslim. We will not hurt you. Took a lot of pressure off me. She says they eat. I mean, this is all over the place. We have another example today. Why doesn't that get discussed? Actual people that were actually there saying that they said, don't worry, we're not going to hurt you. Doesn't that matter? Kind of puts a new spin on the video of the children, doesn't it? Even asked her for permission to eat one of her bananas. You get it. He asked permission to take a banana. <laughs> Think about that. Armed gunmen in her home asking her for permission to eat one of her bananas. And this woman told Israeli media they treated her humanely. I have this one next. We can just do it right here. So just basically saying they do not abuse us. They treat us very humanely. This is somebody who was held by them. Meaning humanely, really, he asked? By that I mean they guard us. Because the point is, logically, the whole point was to use them safely to get back their own people. And again, the argument that Robert or Vanessa would make, or plenty of others, is that ultimately, as they just you just heard, that's they they don't believe in doing that, which is impossible for people that see them as only bloodthirsty terrorists to wrap their mind around. But when you take a step back and realize that's all propaganda in the sense of what just all Palestinians are, because there's a whole dynamic to get as I've already gone into, which we'll get into in a second about Hamas and the possible influences from U.S. and Israel, if not entirely. Again, I'm not even sure where that stands, but based on overall sentiment and people like Robert, who I very much respect, who believe that it's changed to some degree today, that this doesn't excuse that there aren't people that are bad within any organization or that there still might be compromised parts of it. The argument being that they have changed over these years to be pro the part of the Palestinian resistance. The point, though, is that it just everything we can see and all the information adds up until we start listening to what the government tells us what happened. Think about how obvious that is. She then goes on to say that the she was with were only when Israeli soldiers arrived and got into a fight with the Palestinians. It's basically saying they're only violent when Israeli soldiers came in and they got in a fight with the Palestinians. Hold on, went too fast. Into a fight with the Palestinians. There were five or six hostages lying on the ground outside. Just like sleep to the or sheep to the slaughter. The it says the, the face of shooting by our commandos and the terrorists. The terrorists shot them, he asked. No. They were killed by the crossfire. Very important. That's an admission on Israeli radio of somebody who was held admitting it was the crossfire when the IDF engaged with them that killed their people that they saw in. I mean, look, right now they're bombing everywhere, knowing their hostages are being held in the area. 
Doesn't that show you they don't care about their hostages? So this point, they, they, I think what they care about the most is creating the justification that Hamas killed their hostages so they can do whatever they want. That's my opinion, but it seems very apparent based on what they're doing. Again, they're indiscriminately bombing an area they know has got 50% children, their own hostages, 600 Americans, and numerous people from around the world. They know all this, and so too do your governments, and they don't care. Very important. Let's listen to that again. האדמה בחוץ, ממש כצאן הטבח מול הירי של הימם שלנו והמחבלים. הטרוריסטים ירו שבויים? לא, הם נהרגו בחילופי ירי, תמיד שהחילופי ירים לא. Understand, there was very very heavy cross fire. מאוד מאוד קשים. Our voices may have shot them. Undoubtedly. When they tried to eliminate the abductors, they eliminated everyone, including the hostages. How is this not on every corporate channel in the world? Because they're not honest. I understand this is Israeli radio with a verified person who was held by them. There's a battle between soldiers on both sides with civilians caught in the crossfire. Which leads me to ask, what is the difference between this and what's happening right now in Gaza? Yet Western media seems convinced that Gazan mil- committed terror. While the Israeli army is engaging in justified defense. The solution to this issue is not to escalate the violence or to prioritize the debt of one group of people over another. The solution is to end all hostilities. There should be calls for an immediate ceasefire, humanitarian aid to both sides, and an escalation in negotiations to end the occupation, establish an independent Palestinian state, and create a just and long-lasting peace between both Israelis and Palestinians. Well, it's a pretty... It's a pretty- honorable take right there right like i'm sure challenging the narrative is seen as disgusting to some but the stance he's taken is objective and it's all and it's, it's it's commendable not not wishing ill on either side but just simply pointing out something that i very much think is important so here's that if you want to read more on just that one thing israeli forces shot their own civilians and this is one of the people's fr- from the kibbutz town they claim was where they cut the children's head off Realize what they're admitting is that the reason there were so many dead is because they shot and they killed all of their own hostages. That is what one of the survivors just told you. But we're not supposed to talk about that. Here's the video if you want to listen for yourself directly from Israeli state radio. That should be mind-blowing, but no one's going to talk about that in the corporate media because they're cowards. Now, here are a couple more important examples to show you that this is not just some random opinion on people. The Israeli population seems to think this. Now, this is that same quote I showed you earlier, the same tweet, saying they won't get anything until they leave the world, right? Saying that we're all in this together and we're all blah, blah, blah. Here is a Israeli writing in Hebrew. Translated says, an intestinal worm will begin to escape. The entire Jewish people will come to account with the conspirators who destroy the state led by the traitor Netanyahu who destroys Israel. You and the members of the criminal gang that dismantled the country will be targeted and persecuted until the end of your days on earth. May you not have one night of free from nightmares and the screams of the slaughtered Israelis. Guys, if you do your due diligence, it is almost overwhelming. Look underneath these, these uh, like specifically the ones in Hebrew, look at what they're saying. 
They're going, look, it varies. Some of them think this was allowed to happen to justify what they're doing or to hide Netanyahu's crimes. Some of them think that they are working with Hamas to do this to achieve some kind of an end. There's people that argue that this was carried out by Mossad and it was ultimately them pretending to be Hamas. Either way, the main sentiment is a lot of them think that they let this happen. Sort of like a, again, a 9-11 point. I think that's interesting. Here is another one. Same tweet. Same kind of thing. Person says the government of this, the wretched, arrogant right wing pro, pro, prolif, uh, prolificates. Oh, pro, uh, pro what I looked that up last time. I'd never seen that before. What was it again? Recklessly extravagant and waste in the use of resources. That's an interesting word. Profligate, full of conist, uh, uh, conist and Nazi Hamas who slaughtered our civilians. So they're still arguing Hamas is responsible, but it says end soldiers without restraint. You plan to break up the country with wild incitement and drag us into civil war, arguing this was their plan. The IDF will defeat the Nazi Hamas that you mindlessly nurtured for many years. It's right there. The people will defeat you and the poison machine you built against the citizens of Israel and the country. That is a hell of a lot different than Israel united against Hamas, the way that Biden wants you to think it's all going down. Now, we just showed you this last time. On the 14th, there was a protest outside the defense ministry, specifically calling for Netanyahu to resign. And get this, the most important part, this is a family member of one of the people currently held hostage. So one thing, I bet the hostage is sadly probably dead in Gaza because they're bombing indiscriminately, but it shows you they're not standing up and go. You'd think they'd be in support, right? The way that our government's telling the story, they're the ones that they're fighting to get their hostages back, but they're not stupid. You're bombing indiscriminately where my my father's being held or whatever. And on top of that, they're the people that you would think would be on the side of Israel and they're standing up and going, you're the ones that let this happen. Here's another example. This is October 8th, one day after it started for years Netanyahu propped up Hamas. Simple. Now it's blowing up in your face. So at the very least, that's a, a way of saying that this either, like even take even actually one more step removed, saying that just because you use them for so long, now they came back to bite you. So yeah, they're bad guys. Yeah, they did this, but it's your fault for using them for as long as you have. That's important. And here's WikiLeaks. Showing you, as we've proven, and it's not hard to prove, people are dismissing Israel created Hamas with the U.S.'s help. You're lying to yourself. It's a documented fact. Even Israeli people in the government have said that it's our creation, I think, to our greatest, I forget paraphrasing, I think they regret doing it or something like that. Israeli intelligence chief encouraged Hamas takeover of the Gaza Strip. That's a very, it's a provable fact. The point is they wanted Hamas to take over because then it could justify what's happening today, guys. Now, I included this because James and I talked about it, but he, I, I, this is why I wanted him to go over this with me, which, we, which he did. Listen to the interview. Try to struggle through it. Listen to what James has to say. A brain, he, he talked about this in 2013. A brief history of false flag terror. It's a very important, instructive overview of the history of false flags, what it means, and why governments like this use it. It's important. And then I'll include this. I'm not going to go over today because the focus is not about the, it's about the, the side of this possibly being used. But I, I told you I'd include this. This was the I, I, able, I was able to find the thread that I was talking about. This is the guy that I saw this first from. I think Orwell shared this with me. Professional hog groomer was the guy's name. Some are bewildered at the apparent lack of forewarning of the all Oxca flood, which was the name for the Amaz action, and feels not possible. He basically goes over here. There's a, a simpler thread about why it might have happened. It had to do with Huawei and the ability for them to not be able to see what they were saying. It's an interesting thread. Now you can take it for what you will. It's worth reading. 
It's it's basically the one of the likeliest possibilities for why this may have happened if it did happen the way they say it did. But I'm telling you, to me, as far as I'm concerned, there's far too many holes in this story. Now, last few things to end on. I, I wanted to play this with James and I forgot to. It made me mad because he made a great point about this. And Wokeness shares this. Of course, I do find it hilarious. There's all these groups that are have like turned themselves into pretzels trying to be on the side of Israel and all this. Like as somebody was saying like 30 seconds ago, they were all pointing out how Muslims were anti the LGBTQ and they were all here. Hooray. And now suddenly every one of them are bad. It's just, it's when people are compromised when it comes to their stance, <clears throat> like two party illusionists is my point. This is what happens. But my what he, what they say is FBI director Ray issues urgent warning. Hamas style terror attack might be coming to the U S soon. Good thing. We have a secure border. It's funny, all the overlaps. My point was Hamas style. <laughs> Since Hamas was created and funded by the U.S. and Israel, which we can prove, would that be then U.S.-Israeli style, right? If the U.S. is attacked, it's far, far more likely, guys, and I mean this, to be Israel or the U.S. behind it itself than whatever narrative they're desperately trying to cobble together at this moment. And look, I'm not going to try to sell you on this because there's people's personal opinions are so hard on this topic right now, and I get why. If you think that Hamas is going to start waging some kind of action in round, first of all, to be clear, he's saying Hamas style, but Trump has already clumsily argued that Hamas is going to come through the southern border, which is kind of why that's stated that way. And that's just to use that's a, he's using this for his own political benefit, like everything else, including still supporting the injections, even though he knows it's hurting people. But the point is that they're trying to tell you this is coming to your shores too. It's your battle too. As they genocide Gaza, think we're all in this together. That This is what they're trying to do. But if you think that Hamas is going to start coming up in other countries, you're being lied to, guys. And look, it, and even then, if even let's just say it does happen, you can't ignore the fact that this is a creation of the very people that are trying to protect you from it. Just like with Al-Qaeda, just like with ISIS, just like with every other discussion we're having. Like Hyatt Tir al-Sham in Idlib, where we know it's like this vast terrorist hotbed, but when they want to, they're, they're friendly people we support that's birding Syria, but then it's just, it's hilarious. Brett McGirt can tell you it's the biggest ISIS hotspot or Al-Qaeda hotspot since 9-11, and we know the U.S. is working with those locations or Al-Tam for whatever else, and we just ignore it. It's amazing how obvious all this is. But here's what he said to get you all worked up about the coming, whatever they're going to do next. In this heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the look. Oh, oh gee, reported threats. <laughs> is that the same kind of reported threats we get when you investigate every person from January 6th and they pretend that every one of those were a domestic terrorism investigation, even though it was just grandmas with phones, right? They lie to us on a matter of policy, guys. Reported threats don't mean a whole lot when you're telling people to call when they see the, uh, you know, too many people cross the street at the same time. I mean, that's what we're talking about. It doesn't mean you should ignore everything, but realize that we are being led into a situation where they're using falsities to get you worried about the idea that you're going to be attacked by your neighbor. I mean, your own president is calling half the country terrorists. Out, especially for loan actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. Yeah, and I already have an example of a man beating up and killing a young young Muslim boy because what they did in Gaza or did in Israel, real story. The guy's a complete lunatic and hopefully goes to prison for the rest of his life. But the point is that we're, we're seeing that. That, you know, the idea is that you're going to see people like this on either side act. You know why? Not because of the actual action, but because of the lies and the narrative and the propaganda pushed that makes you think this. 
that you're it's coming to your shores next. And so you're going to get people that act as they do this under a guise of trying to stop the thing that they're literally creating by making this message. So I'd encourage you to stay vigilant because as the first line of defense protecting our communities, you're often the first to see the signs that someone may be mobilizing to violence. Okay, great. So self-fulfilling prophecy, right? He goes, yeah, we're seeing a report, an increase of reported threats, not real, but reported threats, and then tells you to report anything you see, no matter what. Gee, I wonder why we're seeing an increase of reporting threats. Guys, it's, we're being lied to in every possible turn. I'd also ask you to continue sharing any intelligence or observations you may have. And on our end, we're committed to doing the same <laughs> so that together we can safeguard our communities. They could care less about you and your community or your life or your friends or your family or your children. They want you to be scared and they want you to think bad things are coming. I've been willing to bet you they don't even listen to what you call in about. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, that's just being kind of facetious, but the point is they don't really care. It's about trying to get you scared. Now, here is what uh, High Impact Flicks from Brian, Brian pointed out. And I think this, this is a great point. I'm not going to play all of it just to give you a gist of it. They're pushing this hard right now. Maybe more spot on than they realize, kind of the point about the reality of 9-11. Israel's 9-11 moment. This is the 9-11 of Israel. This is our 9-11, a spokesman said. Israel's 9-11. This is, uh, as someone said, our 9-11. Now, some are calling this Israel's 9-11. And, of course, when 9-11 happened, there was a seismic shift in the world. This is Israel's 9-11 This is Brian, by the way. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you check out his work. I love this guy. Because corporate media says it is. And if they keep on saying it, and they will, well, then it becomes the truth in the minds of those who hate truth. This is Israel's 9-11. This is 10 times worse right now than 9-11. This is Israel's... uh 10 times worse than 9-11? How about one in every thousand people in Gaza being killed? which is what's happening. It's worse than that now, I'm willing to bet you. Like, if you want to compare something to 9-11, check out the mass genocide taking place. Now, that does not diminish that Israelis were killed. But if you're trying to compare and you're forcing us to pretend like one is more than the other, well, you're being lied to because it's obvious the amount has now completely flipped and we're talking about an ongoing number of genocide in Israel. Uh, 9-11. This is an all-out war. This was their 9-11. You know, we talked about 9-11. I think this is worse than 9-11 for Israel. In so many respects, this is so much more devastating for Israel than even we experienced after 9-11. Now think about how they responded with this and not gone the genocide route. The, the whole world would be on their side. I mean, really take a second and think about that. They, without doing what they've been doing, there would be no question like everybody would be, t- I mean, and, and rightly, rightly so, because there's only one side. I mean, despite the long term genocide of the Palestinian people, the narrative hadn't turned at that point because people are going or people were up in arms because it was terrible and people, civilians were killed. But the fact that they keep pushing and they've now leveled, I mean, I don't I, I can't even the amount of buildings and people and entire this is flat like they're saying, turning it into a parking lot. It's obscene. This is going to be remembered for, a th- for, I mean, I don't want to overshoot, but my God, this seems like something that's going to be in history for as long as we remember. Because this is the kind of atrocity that goes down in history that you will always remember. This changed the face of the area. So, and, But my point is now we're comparing something to 9-11 or the idea that this is like, why is nobody talking about that? Oh, and the point was if they hadn't have done that, 
I mean, this would be a, a, a open and shut. But extremists are going to extreme. 11. What happened in Israel is Israel's 9-11. And I call this this massacre. Anyway, it goes on for, the, for I don't know, what, three minutes? Let's play the last part here. Will be as it was. I promise you. I think the Israelis have always had the moral high ground, and I think they still do. Yeah, I think your reference to 9-11 is apt, because we're in a moment right now of grief and trauma. A lie told often enough becomes the truth. And Americans, <laughs> they're too smart. They're not going to believe anything until they first see it on TV. <laughs> ah. It's just terrible. But, you know, the point is, this is a very clear agenda to push this concept. But, you know, what? We'll, let's we'll talk about some overlaps. Netanyahu, let's not forget, says, this is an article from 2008, 9-11 terror attacks were good for Israel. Well, that sounds a lot like, you know, killing children brings Israelis together. There's a lot of interesting overlaps here. He says, Israel is benefiting from attack as it swung American and public opinion. Well, we already talked about the different videos where he's talking with people. But it was either leaked or not knowing it was being recorded. And he says very clearly, that, oh, we don't worry about them. We can control them. We can make them think what we want. Very clearly. All this is provable information. So if we know that they feel that this was a positive thing, like let's realize the, the, the messaging that we're being spun right now. And if you want to understand the true origins of 9-11 and the Israeli involvement, and the is U.S. government allowance and how this really went down. There's a great documentary. Like I also recommend just for the, the understanding of where ISIS came from, Ben Swan is an outstanding documentary on that. But James Corbin has a three-part documentary. And this is technically our watch-along of the documentary. The, the links in each one of these has the links to the original documentary if you want to watch it without us talking. But we break it and talk about it. It was me, Brock, and James. The False Flags, A Secret History of Al-Qaeda. The reality behind this. It's Guys, if you watch this, you will not walk away thinking the same story. The, I've been lied to, we've all been lied to, and he has the receipts. Just, if, we're now seeing how controlled everything is, and that's, it's because the, the people who carry these things out are the ones in power. And then, and then just in general, and if you, I want to include this, if you want to understand one of the alternative reasons, other than just hatred and, and control and ethnic cleansing, then why this might be happening, well, look, in 2019, the United Nations made a point the unrealized potential of Palestinian oil and gas reserves apparently could generate hundreds of billions of dollars. Hmm. I wonder if that's part of what's going on. Now, just to give you a couple things on the way out, this is actually pretty crazy. MSNBC has now sidelined all of their Muslim and pro-Palestinian anchors. And they literally go, oh, it's just a coincidence. It, it was our monthly uh, Muslim break <laughs> or whatever. How stupid do they think we are? It's very clear what they're doing. I mean, let's not pretend like what's his name is even objective, but if at least he he's per, at least feigns pro-Palestinian, the point is they just put him aside. I mean, how do you even rationalize that? Anywhere else in the world that did that, they would be screaming about it. Sam Hussein, he points out, Israeli minister seeks to arrest of, arrest journalists who, quote, harm national morale but democracy keeps screaming democracy right guys they are what they pretend other countries are they're going to arrest a journalist who i mean how do you even define harms morale it's if you say what you're not supposed to say and as sam puts liberal democracy jake shields post this hold on what does this say oh well it looks like this has been fact checked by the sun let me see what this says 
or rather by Twitter, but these things are 50-50 these days. Come on, Twitter, you stupid thing. <laughs> there it goes. <clears throat> it says, Pornhub icon Mia Khalifa tells fans, leave me the F alone if you see me at an airport. Pornhub legend turn 26 Instagram. Doesn't seem to say that. Well, here's the point. He's saying Pornhub is freezing her, her, her porn money and sending it to Israel. I think it's, this chick is an idiot, but I also think that's what he's saying. But I also think it's weird for the world's largest porn company to try and force morals on people. So apparently she's a Muslim or pro-Palestinian, and they're going to, they claim, he claims they're going to take her money. But let's just leave it alone since this at least, I don't see this challenging this though. Huh. Well, interesting. This doesn't seem to challenge what he, what they're saying, but the fact check seems to say she herself claimed that she only made 12000 from her videos and nothing after that. Well, I think the point is they seem to suggest that it's being taken. Well, in any case, let's, let's look at this. Oh, it's never mind. It's just that I forgot. It was just anyway, right there. <clears throat> Claiming they're taking your money and sending away. The point is you see this kind of stuff happen with, I'll, I'll, I'll include this Sun article. With things like, you know, during the Russian-Ukraine hype and they're, they're suddenly removing Russian cats from a cat show. Like, it's really, really childishly stupid. But here's another example, and this isn't childishly stupid. This is terrifying. This is what happened during COVID. Craig Murray has been taking a very principled stance on this. Earlier today, reporting from this journalist, Mark Hurst, Craig Murray was detained, returning from Iceland under the Prevention of Terrorism Act. He was there meeting other free Assange now activists in WikiLeaks. He's also questioned about his attendance at a Palestinian protest. My God, this is getting out of control. The point, they're now framing pro-Palestinian protest as terrorism. Like all of these feigned democracies where they pretend you can protest whatever you want, but not that, not when the middle of what, you know, it just shows you like the idea that, you know, you have free speech, except when there's an emergency. That means you don't, guys. They're exposing, their, they're showing their hand. They don't care about any of it. They're trying to find ways to control you in every possible way. This is a threat. Craig Murray is calling out what's going on, and he's getting arrested, or at least detained. I expect more of that when people are losing their minds. This is alarming. Now, in where this is going, this was on the 15th, but the argument was they had already stalled the ground invasion, which I don't think has happened yet. They claim it was for bad weather. Now, there was some bad weather. <laughs> My point was, I, I just said hardly. As I expected, they wouldn't do this. I don't think they're capable of doing this without support of other people. They've already tried and failed in the past. Robert has covered it. Without outside backing, I did not think this would happen. But if they get ground support from the U.S. specifically, for example, then I expect the weather will clear up. But if that happens, this could quickly escalate to world conflict. And at least half-heartedly, the U.S. weighs sending 2,000 non-combatant troops. That's such a BS plot tactic that nobody's going to buy, whether, it is, whether Palestine or Russia or anybody else, whether in, in regard to Ukraine. Non-combatant troops are combatants the moment they want them to be. It's a stupid game. The point is to support Israel as a push by the U.S. and Egypt to open the border, which they've closed again and they bombed again. It's obvious what's going on, guys. Everything's in front of you. They are the people that are committing atrocities in real time. After using an atrocity to justify more atrocities does not make you the good guy. If they send 2,000 people, this is going to get bad. It's already one of the worst. I mean, I shouldn't say I mean, it's going to get bad in the context of world war or war footing. 
Russia and China. I mean, I'm quite frankly surprised somebody else hasn't already stepped in with the level of genocide taking place. Not that I want that. I'm just saying that I'm surprised. But everyone, all the two-party illusionists are screaming that Iran is going to do this and Russia is going to do that with nothing but U.S. narrative to spin it. I don't think they're stupid enough to make that happen. I think right now, the very least, they're recognizing what this is doing to the world's perception, which is nobody wants to sacrifice these people to make us see what's really going on. But at the very least, they're doing this right now to the point to where everyone everywhere sees what they are, sees what the Palestinians have always been dealing with, and recognizing that the people that are pretending to be the world's international rules-based order do not actually believe that. That's powerful. Oh, Orwell seems to say they're already in Syria waiting, which, yeah, exactly, wouldn't surprise. I mean, that's the point. They never left Syria, so let's realize these people are just deployed all over the world, all around the borders of the people they claim they're not encroaching on. But this could get serious. Quite frankly, I, what, I, what I hope happens here is that the, the pressure, because of how blatant this is, pushes. And suddenly, suddenly the U.S. starts telling them they need to stop what they're doing or whatever else happens because Biden's got an election or wherever this seems to go. Whatever stops the murder the unfettered killing of average civilians. That's what I want to stop. Now I'm going to end with these videos. You've already seen this one. I'm going to end with two of them back to back. One is a, 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 a discussion a while back of somebody who has the standing to speak on this in regard to what these people really are in regard to the Zionist government and a statement by Biden that should make clear that they'll do this, whether or not the circumstances were the way they are. If needed, they would create them because that's what they need. So thank you for tuning in today. I, I hope that the information was presented in a, a more digestible way and the audio wasn't cracking on me the entire time because it's a very sensitive conversation. And people, even if done in, in the best possible objective way, people will frame it and attack it because it upsets them. But I, don't, I never worry about that. I worry about what I think is right. What, what the, the civilians, that, the need of the, the civilian population, whether they be Israeli, Palestinian, Iranian, Russian, Chinese, whatever it is, that we need to find the truth, especially when there's emotions involved. Not shy away until the emotions subside because, or subside because they will never do that. They'll all, I mean, you could talk about things like 9-11 or the Holocaust or anything, and I'm not challenging. I, I mean, there's plenty of conversations to be had. There's lies being told about every historical event. The point is that you are, there's even still topics where the, the emotion is so palpable that you're not allowed to question. That shouldn't be the situation for any honest researcher anywhere. But we'll continue to do so, guys. The point is that people are suffering. Civilians are dying. UN members are being bombed. Human rights groups are screaming that that's happening. I mean, they're white phosphorus, genocide of people, collective punishment, besieging of everybody, I mean, everything. And yet all they say is that's not true. <laughs> I mean, are, that, you guys see it too. Do something about it. Speak to people. If you think calling your politicians is going to make a difference, do so. Go out and protest, even though they're making, they're trying to illegalize that. Because all of this is going to be carried over into whatever next thing happens, whether you're allowed to protest or what you're allowed to say online, they're going to try to control your speech. So we need to do something about it. And I never mean violence. I hope that will be clear by now. But we need to do something about it. Speak up, start a channel, save these people's lives because they need it. And you know what? So do you. Because as we've talked about, as Whitney's discussed, your body is the new battlefield with the biosecurity direction, which we'll get more back into soon, probably maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. 
they're coming for everybody, guys. And I don't mean that to scare anybody. It's on the raw. The writing is on the wall. They're telling you that they want to create the life where you owe nothing and you've never been happier. All of these things are coming. The war or the, 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 the current surge of the ongoing 75-year occupation is just another example of how this has always been the case. They're just applying their new technology to the new level of control. So we need to stand our ground and stay the course and fight for freedom, for liberty, for self-determination everywhere around the world for every civilian that exists. Not pick sides because your government tells you to. It's sad. Well, I love you all. And, and if you want to support this platform, guys, as always, we need your support. As I said, we just brought on Carrie Wedler. I've got somebody else that I want to tell you we're bringing on very soon, and we need your support to do so. The best place to do is to go to the website itself. You can sign up for $1. You can do recurring. Just do $1 a month. You'll never see that. You'll never even worry about it again, and it will go much farther than you could possibly imagine. If we get 2,000 more people to do that, we have 2,000 more a month that we can hire new people, we can grow, we can expand, and we're going to do that either way. I'm going to do that no matter what, because this is what I'm determined to accomplish. Help me do it. You can support us like on our Substack, our autonomy program, or the links are down below. There's a lot of ways you could support us. Really just share the link and the information, get it in front of people who need to see it. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Almost forgot. I was brought up as an Orthodox Jew and a Zionist. On a shelf in our kitchen was a tin box of the Jewish National Fund into which we put coins to help the pioneers <coughs> building a Jewish presence in Palestine. I first went to Israel in 1961 and I've been there since more times than I can count. I had family in Israel and I have friends in Israel. One of them fought in the wars of 1956, 1967 and 1973 and was wounded in two of them. The tie clip which I'm wearing is made from a campaign decoration awarded to him which he presented to me. I've known most of the Prime Ministers of Israel, starting with the founding Prime Minister, David Ben-Gurion. Golda Meir was my friend. So was Yigal Alon, the Deputy Prime Minister, who as a general won the Negev for Israel in the 1948 War of Independence. My parents came to Britain as refugees from Poland. Most of their families were subsequently murdered by the Nazis in the Holocaust. My grandmother was ill in bed when the Nazis came to her hometown of Stashov. A German soldier shot her dead in her bed. Madam Deputy Speaker, my grandmother did not die to provide cover for Israeli soldiers murdering Palestinian grandmothers in Gaza. The present Israeli government ruthlessly and cynically exploit the continuing guilt among Gentiles over the slaughter of Jews in the Holocaust as justification for their murder of Palestinians. The implication is that Jewish lives are precious, but the lives of Palestinians do not count. On Sky News a few days ago, the spokeswoman for the Israeli army, Major Leibovitch, was asked about the Israeli killing of, at that time, 800 Palestinians. The total is now 1,000. She replied instantly, Five of them were 500 of them were militants. That was the reply of a Nazi. 
I suppose that Jews fighting for their lives in the Warsaw Ghetto could have been dismissed as militants. The Israeli Foreign Minister, Tsipi Livni, asserts that her government will have no dealings with Hamas because they're terrorists. Tsipi Livni's father was Eitan Livni, Chief Operations Officer of the terrorist Egun Svai Leumi, who organised the blowing up of the King David Hotel in Jerusalem, in which 91 victims were killed, including four Jews. Israel was born out of Jewish terrorism. Jewish terrorists hanged two British sergeants and booby-trapped their corpses. Egun, together with the terrorist Stern Gang, massacred 254 Palestinians in 1948 in the village of Deir Yassin. Today, the present Israeli government indicate that they will be willing, in circumstances acceptable to them, to negotiate with the Palestinian President Abbas of Fatah. It's too late for that, Madam Deputy Speaker. They could have negotiated with Fatah's previous leader, Yasser Arafat, who was a friend of mine. <coughs> Instead, they besieged him in a bunker in Ramallah, where I visited him. It's because of the failings of Fatah since Arafat's death that Hamas won the election, the Palestinian election in 2006. Hamas is a deeply nasty organization, but it was democratically elected and it is the only game in town. The boycotting of Hamas, including by our own government, has been a culpable error from which dreadful consequences have followed. The great Israeli Foreign Minister Abba Eben, with whom I campaigned for peace on many platforms, said, you make peace by talking to your enemies. However many, many Palestinians the Israelis murder in Gaza, they cannot solve this existential problem by military means. Whenever and however the fighting ends, there will still be one and a half million Palestinians in Gaza and two and a half million more Palestinians in the West Bank who are treated like dirt by the Israelis with hundreds of roadblocks and with the ghastly denizens of the illegal Jewish settlements harassing them as well. The time will come, not so long from now, when they will outnumber the Jewish population in Israel. It's time for our government to make clear to the Israeli government that its conduct and policies are unacceptable and to impose a total arms ban on Israel. It is time for peace, but real peace, not the solution by conquest, which is the Israelis' real goal, but which is impossible for them to achieve. They're not simply war criminals, they're fools. ...for our support for Israel. There's no apology to be made. None. It is the best $3 billion investment we make. Were there not an Israel, the United States of America would have to invent an Israel to protect her interest in the region. The United States would have to go out and invent an Israel. 